I found it for sure. <laughs> we're all about to find it because we're back with another episode of Fried Squirms. Oh yeah, and, and you know we've uh, we've been away for for an extended time, but not too not too far. Right? You know? Yeah, I unfortunately fell ill last week and I... did not have a voice the day that we were supposed to record. Yeah, and you know, and and what we're doing, uh, the voices, it has to be golden. So. You know, we decided to rest a week, give us a chance to recuperate and uh, enjoy, uh, you know, another addition to the family. And enjoy the fact that the cold is now here. Well, yeah, definitely. That, you know, that, that plays a, a big factor, too, because usually I'll get a seasonal cold and then I'm typically good. I got mine early, so I, I feel like I'll be good through the uh, through the winter. Just have to take care, care of myself and, you know, plow through this stuff. Yeah, I I mean, really, that thing I had last week, I mean, it stayed with me a couple of days, but it was only that one day it was bad, and it was unfortunately yeah. the wrong day. But, no, I'm feeling good now. Well, good. We'll see yeah. what happens over the rest of everything. Well, absolutely, man. I'm glad that you're you're feeling better, and that, like, so I'm feeling well. Uh, so, yeah, man, we, uh, we decided to do this film and another film that we'll be reviewing here soon on the basis that neither one of us have seen... Either, one well, of them, the, one, one or the, the other. other, yeah. So in this, this case, this is the one I hadn't seen. The, yeah, in this case, this is the one Tyler has not seen. Speaking if if you haven't seen, really quick, I have to throw it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I'm such a big fan, and I might as well tell people too. If you haven't already seen Rogue One, go see Rogue One. Oh, yeah. I was just telling you. Yeah, I'm guilty of not seeing it yet. It's amazing. Go see it. Sorry, this isn't really related to horror movies. But no, but it's okay. It's relevant. Do it anyway. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I can't. It's amazing. Sorry. Uh, anyway, no. Hey, we we've got your seal of approval, so I'm 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 down with that. That's all I want to go. Now we'll go on to the movie we're actually here to talk about. Yes, and uh, this movie, ironically enough, uh, is named Found, and I found this movie, uh, I believe, by maybe reading um, like forums on horror movies, and this this one kept getting popped up a few times, and it had been mentioned that it was uh, it was based off of a novel as well. Uh, so that already kind of piqued my interest. So I kind of caught it on that wave right before this movie got put out, um, you know, for major distribution. So I kind of followed it before it even got onto video. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad I, I found it. I'm not sure I ever would have found this movie, and I'm glad that you have thrust it upon me. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it. It was great. I mean, I guess we can just jump straight into how oh, yeah. did it make us squeal. Oh, Absolutely. How does that make you squeal? Okay, like I was saying, I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, there's, I want to, I want to talk before I, I talk about how it made me squeal. Okay. There's, there, mention the budget because it plays in. You know, and we've mentioned this before, and uh, this just so happens to be another film that is what they call a micro-budgeted film because it was only shot on an eight thousand dollar budget. Um, so you, you know, when you watch this film, you have to keep in mind and that that's nothing. Oh today, yeah. No, right? no, that's, phew, that's like pocket change for, for a lot of people, you know, but yeah, for, on an $8,000 budget, that's nothing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. That puts a lot of some of the early parts in the, of the movie into a better perspective. It does. It certainly does. Uh, the thing is this film's climax, which is what I was told the entire time. Yeah. From from you, from the trailer I watched, oh, yeah. like, every little bit I heard about this was like, oh my god, the end of this film. This is absolutely true. Oh my god, the <laughs> end of this film. Yeah, and, and without giving that away, because I feel like 
there, there are parts of the film, like I said, that are it shows through in its budget. Uh, but the climax of the film is, I would rate it up there amongst any of the horror movies I've ever watched as being maybe one of the most, you know, fucked up kind it's of intense. like, whoa. It is it's super intense. It's really intense. Um, uh, yeah. The, well, the only thing that really shows through with the budget, because the effects are good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The they did a great job. Great. The thing that shows through with the budget is some of the acting. Yeah, you can definitely tell. And, and I think part of the reason, too, is uh, it was an all-Indiana cast. So, okay. um the, the the parts of the film they they filmed yeah, in were all Indiana. in Indiana. Yeah, you know hey, you guys did a good job. This is your state, movie. man. They did. A, I think they did a great job. Yeah. Um, you know, so it helped with the budgetary concerns. Is like you know they they hired local actors. I think they found some really good uh, actors. You know, even I think that the 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 kids or maybe the teenagers in the film act better than the the adults. That's what I was just about to say. The important parts yes. are the kids. But yeah, because this this uh, to me, I, I think, is more of a coming of age tale oh, interweaved into a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the most fucked up of ways, no doubt about it. But I mean, it's it's told through a child's point of view or a kid's oh, point of view, and to him coming into like the the age of his innocence into an adulthood that's coming oh, really abrupt. And that's the thing. Once. I think when people say, "Oh my God, the end of this movie," yeah. they're they're very. I think a, a percentage of those people are talking very specifically about the very end shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can understand that completely. I think a percentage of people are talking about from in in the house on. Oh yeah, yeah, because it's or right outside the house on. Yeah, and, and uh, well, that'll make more sense later. Exactly. I mean, I like I said that that whole. I'd but say the last whole two minutes of the film it are just, nuts. It's yeah. For me, I think it's from at the service in the park. Yeah, the, yeah, that is definitely a, for a huge me. Turn. Everything past there is pure gold. You don't notice the budget. Yep. It, they do. It's very Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the very yeah. first one, in that they end up making you build a lot of it in your mind, and it ends up being very hard to sit through yeah and i had it ended up being very intense like watching that movie yeah that last bit the last five minutes or whatever yeah i was sitting there like having a hard time with it and i as i was sitting there after it was done and i was thinking back on it i'm like so why was i having such a hard time with this and i was trying to just re-go through the events in my mind right and trying to just set it forth like okay, how am I going to present it? Because, like, this made me feel a lot, and so I should probably talk about that on the podcast. Yeah, I like that, yeah. But then when I started to think about it, I'm like, I've seen way more fucked up shit than this. Yeah. Like, they didn't actually... They didn't actually show me anything that fucked up. No. Like, it it wasn't anything beyond things... In some way, it wasn't anything beyond some things we've already covered on this show. I I would totally agree with that. But they did it so well. Absolutely, Uh, yeah. And it's where... Everybody put their A game on, yeah. and it was very convincing. And we'll go into more detail later, but I like, they, I like they build the saying. most gruesome. They build the most gruesome scene in the movie without actually showing you it. Yeah, uh, because a lot of a lot of this, without like giving too much away, is there's insinuations, but you know exactly what happened. You know exactly what's happening, and then they do show you something. Yeah, oh, they uh, I mean, oof. as an aftermath. Uh, but yeah, without delving too much into that, I think that's a that's a good way of looking at this film. Is um, I, I viewed it 
as a as a there's a lot of narration from the protagonist the uh the main character's point of view so he kind of leads you into like what's going on throughout the film and how he's approaching it and uh how it's changing him as as a character and as a person yeah oh definitely and there's as we end up going through this movie in the guts and bolts like i I think parts of it especially with this film are going to end up being kind of how did you how did that make you squealish yeah. partially just because this is my first time viewing it yeah exactly so i mean i, I think we we should say they're like the really juicy really you know good tidbits like i said for that section so it, it like i said it, with with a lot of the things that we're saying i think we could we could nerd out a lot on this section because it's right. I, I love uh, this film i, I really do want to say though like warning some of the acting from the adults is very wooden it is you know and I, it's it's funny because a lot of the adult actors have a lot more experience than the children actors, but you really couldn't tell it. No, the the kid, well, the two main kids at least uh, knock it out of the. Oh yeah, the Marty house. and uh, Steve. Yeah. Those two actors, yeah, they kill it. They kill it. They just dest- yeah, they <laughs> they kill it. They destroy it. No pun intended, but yeah, they destroy in this film. Um, uh, the mother some of the and other father kid, are kind of stiffy. The from, yeah. yeah, they're the they're the worst of the adults. Yeah, they're because very stiff. the only other adult that really gets. Any good amount of screen time would probably be the uh, the pastor. Yeah, I think the pastor gets a who little doesn't bit. do bad. No, I mean no, he, he he does well for his part. Yeah, perfectly he's, he's believable for his part. And are the other kids, there's a uh, few. There was like the a couple of bullies. Marcus. And, there was Marcus. Yeah, Marcus <laughs> is the worst. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Out you of can all the tell kids, he, Marcus is the worst. I, I I believe he was probably uh, just a child that. She so happened to be in parts of those towns they were filming in, and uh, you know they cast him as a part of of, of the film. But well, he, he had cast, some funny he had some funny he was parts, a, but he a would, very specific part that we'll uh, get oh, to. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, but like I think he had some he had a couple of funny moments. I think just for what he was doing, but for what he was his his acting was not great at all. No. There's no doubt. The rest um, of the kids though were very good. I yeah, thought. I, I thought the there was two. I would say. That had some really good scenes. Oh, um, uh, definitely. Um, one of them, um, actually, I didn't, like I'll mention names, is uh, this kid named Alex Kogan. He played David, which was uh, Marty, his best friend or supposed best friend in this film, who was played by Gavin Brown. So Gavin Brown okay. is uh, our main actor, uh, Marty, in the film. Uh, his brother, who we just mentioned, Steve, is uh, played by Ethan Philbeck. Uh, the mother in the film is played by Phyllis Monroe. And Louis Lawless is the dad. So that's that's your main characters in this film is the family unit. Yeah. There was a few other um, actors. Oh, I, I would say that one of the main ones, um, he played mo- mostly... There's a scene, there's some scenes later on that he's in that we'll mention. Uh, but he did a lot of the special effects in the film. Uh, and this guy's name is Shane Beasley. He's a part of the... Uh, uh, I believe it's called the Clockwork Creature Company. And that's a part of the special FX team that did the film. So okay. he's credited with helping a lot with the makeup, a lot of the uh, costume designs, things like that. And I think the, there's another man as well. Um, I know the first name is Arthur, but uh, he helped out too with a lot of the special effects. But that kind of rounds up your main characters. There's not a lot of main characters in the film. No, not really. No, there's a couple, like I said, little side actors. But um, the family unit is is what the dynamic of this film is about. Once again. Oh, yeah. Oh. Which it so happens, yeah. Which, ironically enough... The first film that we reviewed that dealt with this was um, 
uh, Visitor, Q, Visitor Q, which is another film you had not seen previous to this review. Right, just fucked up family units. And, and yeah, like so that was not our intention. It's just this film just so happened to be one that I had seen that you had never seen before, and I had talked it up and talked it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so anyhow, it's, it, it deals with a family dynamic. That's that's absolutely true. It's very much family dynamic. Few other yeah. things. Uh, very much touches on like bullying. Actually, yeah. Which there, there's a lot of themes in this fucking movie. Fucking visitor Q again. Yeah, bullying. That's exactly right. Although I, this one, it hits you different. Like visitor Q plays with a different like. Yeah, it's it, a different you, angle in the film. You hit bullying, visitor. but you're more disgusted by like the dad's take on it. Oh, this yeah. this is just more like bullying and yeah like any kid, kid that can relate to it and across America could relate to right and you're you're getting the kid's point of view and yeah. how fucked up and hard it's been for him exactly because and how uh, shitty the the adults are being in this situation he's a good kid you know I mean he he does he I think he gets a lot of undeserved bullying for no good reason just he just so happens to be a target. Uh, but yeah, the the adults are very passe about it. So you deal with a lot of different dynamics from that, like so that kid's point of view of growing up being bullied, having a family that's kind of absent. You know, I mean, they're there but not really. Um, you know, so they're like so you're touching on some themes. It like seems that. like they try, but I don't know how much really. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and then later on there's some there's some scenes like so that deals with abuse and if you don't mm-hmm. like gore. Things yeah. like that. There, there are bits in that much later on, but it definitely hits on those topics. I, I would. The other thing that this movie made me think, though, that's that's different from other movies, is that the downfall of the killer and the major like end scenario killings and stuff aren't actually connected to the killer's actual normal motives for killings. Yeah. You find out what his motives are. And it's Absolutely. fucked up, and it adds a whole oh, yeah. other layer. Oh yeah, uh, and, like, so I think and that's it's actually thing. another tie-in to the family. And yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more. When exactly. We get there. Like so, so there, there's a lot of things that I think we could probably discuss in this part of the show, but I think we which I would much rather reserve it for later on. Right. Uh, but, dude, like I said, because I feel like we might be spilling. But a too even much. though you find out what his yeah. motives for his serial killing are, it's not actually tied into what happens in the end. No. That's him just having to take care of business. Exactly. And that's all that was. That's all that was at the end. I mean, there was was aspects of it that definitely seemed to tie into parts of his motives that... Yeah. uh, Which I can understand, you know. But like I said, said, it it hits on so many different angles, like I said, toward toward that end that, I mean, I feel like... I said we could we could probably talk a lot oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, uh we'll get there. Oh yeah. Uh, um, we just so, wanna I mean that's really just how how convoluted this end yeah, is. Yeah, it, it's it, like it so that's fucked up. And I think that was the one thing that I tried to sell you on was like, you know, if nothing else, is like this film is definitely worth watching for like I said the last five minutes of this film. Uh I just feel like it's And I'd say right beyond there. that, I say it's worth watching for the last fifteen minutes. Oh yeah, I mean I was definitely underselling it, but <laughs> I feel like I could at least get five minutes of, of viewing, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely want to pay uh, a little bit more, you know, tribute to some of the uh, the credits in here. One of them was the director, uh, Scott Shermer. So if it wasn't for him, which I just we just mentioned, you know, behind the scenes, is um, he had read the novel. Who was it was written by Todd Rigney. So this is based off of a novel. I was searching. I want to read it now. Yeah, I definitely do too. Uh, from what I understand, he he was pretty tied in closely with. The book, like or the novel, all the way through. Okay, and it's filming, so it's pretty pretty darn close. 
Um, but I, I was looking for the book just for, you know, shits and giggles. And I was looking on Amazon, you know, found different covers of the book, just kind of curious about the reviews. And the very first one I read was a review by Scott Shermer, the director. And, you know, and, it, and this is before he even directed the film. And wow. he was glowing about the, the novel. And uh-huh. so I think it inspired him so much that he decided he wanted to bring it to life on film. Um, so we, you know, definitely have to pay a big ode to him. And uh, one of the cool things is I got to watch, like, some YouTube videos and whatnot. He talked about uh, his filming. Mm-hmm. And uh, he liked to use widescreen angles, and he liked to use close-ups. He said, if, if you're going to film on a low budget like he does, he says you have to make the characters more of a focal point than, the like, the background more so. He says the background plays an important part, but you don't want it to take all your focus off of the characters. So that's well, I why think he, he did a great job of that. Cause yeah. it, it really ended up feeling like this kid's story because yeah. it kept very close in around him. Yeah, absolutely. And, just... and so when you know when we're watching this film, you can definitely tell. And I think for me, knowing that fact and listening to him talking about that fact, I was like, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense watching the film uh, because there's not a lot of like far off panned out shots of characters coming in and out of scenes. So anyhow, uh, that's that's our director Scott Shermer. Thanks to the writer. Help with the screenplay, just along with Scott Shermer, is Todd Rigney. Uh, the production company uh, is Forbidden Films. Uh, the release date of this film was uh, July 14th, 2012, here in the States. And it got a world premiere in uh, September of 2012. So it was just, you know, a couple months later, the whole okay. world got to see it. Um, the tagline, I like the tagline in this film. It says, uh, Marty loved horror movies until his life turned into one. Which I think that's a great tagline yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for this film. Like I said, uh, this movie was filmed in and around uh, parts of Indiana, Bloomington, uh, Columbus, Ellettsville, a couple different other places. Um, and one thing I like, I like to throw this in as like a little nugget before we delve into the film itself is um, this ties back into a couple films ago that we watched, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. And the reason I say this is... Um, this film was uh, reviewed at a lot of independent film festivals, and it just so happened to be reviewed uh, by by some major uh, horror film icons, one of them being Elvira, The Mistress okay. of the Dark. So with that being said, Found uh, has been called as horror as horror can get by Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Uh, it made its auspicious world premiere, like I said, in September 2012, when the iconic Elvira and a panel of celebrity judges, including Joe Bob Briggs, uh, he's a monster vision uh, drive-in uh, host, so he drive, you know does mm-hmm. like an old drive-in B you know B classic C movies things like that. Uh, so he's kind of big in that that aspect of film. Uh, Bill Mosley was there, uh, nice. so he just happened to be a part of the uh, celebrity judge panel. Uh, Sybil Danning, she's a cult B movie queen. She did a lot of films in the seventies and eighties. Uh, I think she started in Europe doing a lot of low budget films, and then it brought her to the states, and she became mm-hmm. a cult queen classic. And uh, Peaches Christ is a drag queen. Uh, so they they were, they were uh, part of the the celebrity judges who reviewed this film, and they unanimously uh, selected Found for best feature at Elvira's Horror Hunt, uh, which was also sponsored by Horror Hound Magazine and Stanley's Kamikaze Expo. Okay. Uh, so they had won two awards. They won uh, best actor uh, Gavin Brown who played Marty, and best director Scott Shermer. So I thought that was nice. pretty cool. It was like. Uh, I'm starting to see all these connections. Well, not just that, but uh, <laughs> Hellraiser just, gets mentioned. Yeah, exactly. So I like to say, it's it's not because we plan this. It just so happens to be that it's a part of the universe, man. 
It's part of that horror movie universe. No and I, I thought it was kind of neat. You hadn't mentioned to me that the kid was into horror movies and that played into it. And I yeah. kind of liked all that. Yeah, I mean, because when I was looking at like some, like I said, some of the scenes and some of the posters in those scenes, you're like, oh man, these are a lot of films I remember renting, like my parents renting when I was a kid. Well, we got to some of those scenes, like when he's looking over his brother's collection, yeah. Oh, yeah. when he's looking at the stuff in the video store, yeah. where I was like, you know, we could we could pause this oh, and man. just. Pick every one of these movies, which I did a few times, <laughs> and we would be fine. Oh yeah, we no, would we, be, we would we'd be gold. Yeah, yeah they, it was all just great films that were shown. There was a oh, couple yeah. other things that I noticed that were, I thought were really neat. We'll get into those, yeah. I guess, as we hit the scenes. I don't know. Maybe we should give them a warning. Yeah, I would say, like I said, I would think a, a good, you know, without us geeking too much, <laughs> is uh, the fact, like I said, is that this film deals with a lot of subject matter. Like I said, bullying is a big aspect of it. Um, there's a lot of non-PC terms in this this movie, um, right? You know, yes. so I would say that's you know if you're familiar with what we're talking about, there's some words that are are frowned upon in our society that they use. You know, I won't say gratuitously, but they use it well enough to where you you get the effect. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, like I said, there's definitely gore in this film. Um, the worst gore is implied. There, yeah, oh yeah. I would say well, the, the worst, worst. Well, it's just the blood. You see, maybe you see the after effects of yeah. the worst. Yeah, but when it's happening, you but you don't, don't see, see it, it visually happening. You just see the aftermath of of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it's just special effects. It's it's a lot of props, but it's really well done. And yeah, uh, a lot of the early stuff though in the movie, it's it you can kind of tell it's props. Oh earlier. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just gets better and better as it goes on. Yeah, like that's, really... that's why uh, you know you have to give a lot of credit to the fact that they worked on a low budget, but they did an amazing job when it came to this this aspect of the film. Yeah, I guess that's that's really Yeah, I mean there's there's some there's some abuse. There's some abuse. You know. There's like I said, when you're dealing with a family uh, dynamic that's not pretty. I mean that that last I, you don't see any of it, but No. I mean Well you know what's happening. Here's a, s- a slight spoiler, but just so that so that you don't get caught unawares. Yeah. Is there is like very heavily implied incestual rape oh, yes. Yes, during yes. a murder. So yeah, so what you know, keep that in mind that there, there's like I said, there's some aspects. If if you, I'll put it this way: if you listen to our episode of Visitor Q, then you'll be very familiar and uh, probably a little bit more comfortable with this film. Yeah, I, I, I think if you can handle Visitor, oh yeah, you can definitely handle this film. This one's just a bit more violent. Visitor yeah, Q I think that's a good point. raises more questions. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and a lot more visual aspects mm-hmm. compared to this film. This film, like I said, it's just straight to the point. But it, as I pointed out, like, it was affecting me as I was yeah. sitting there watching it. Like, and that's, I was su- surprised by how much and that was very... That's, that's why I, I want to, that's why I want to yeah. point the <laughs> the comparison to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's a good point, yeah. Like I said, that, and there are certain films upon mm-hmm. first view and this, this one just so happened to catch me and like, wow, I mean... Like I said, if you're a fan of horror movie and you like, like I said, in this case, low budget, I think this will be a perfect addition to the to the collection. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I guess at this point we can... Let's jump into the guts and bolts. Do it. Yep. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. All right. So, so yeah, we're we're into the guts and bolts of Found. Uh, I was kind of surprised by how how fast it just jumps into it. Yeah, and I mean, you uh, get the voiceover, uh, and he's like, yep, "Yeah, my brother 
keeps human's heads in the closet. Yeah. Or however you, he says it. Like, do you remember how, how many uh how many days he says or what he keeps in the bag? No. Uh he he mentions that uh every few days uh, there's a new head in the bag. It's usually a black woman's, and one time, time he found white. a white man's head. I did write that down. One so, time like I said, that's I. F- I feel like that's, you know, later on and upon fear of the viewings for me, it's a little foreshadowing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is the spoiler section. Yeah. So, it's foreshadowing. There's there's a lot of racial undertones in this. It's his it's his motivation, yes. but it's not what undoes him. No, and no. you really don't get into the extent of that. Exactly. I think this, yeah, like I said, this is this is kind of like the kindling to the fire. Mm-hmm. This aspect of it, um, yeah. So he goes into to explaining that his brother keeps a human head in the closet. Like I said, every few days there is a black woman's head in there. If one time I found a, a white man's head. I wonder who the white man was. Um, that's you know I never I don't think it ever mentions it. No. I mean, and if it does, we I'm, I missed it. But then he he delves into the story about uh, going to the bowling alley with that bowling bag, and he was surprised that you know that people who were there didn't smell it because uh, you know he was going to take it out, and they noticed that the head was in there. Yeah, he would made and it grabbed his... it from his brother's room, yeah. which he knew he wasn't supposed to it, do. Exactly, but... and then he's you know it, like he made an excuse that the ball was too heavy. The head was too heavy, right, and so, so he had to use a house ball, mm-hmm. you know. So he's already telling us a story or an incident involving finding this bag. Um, you know, he says that um, he he opened that bag, this particular bag, because it starts with him opening a bag. Um, he says, you know, he starts to to kind of ponder about that human experience. Yeah, he's like, just like, oh, I wonder what, what the thought. Yeah, you know, it had family that they loved, that they kissed. You know, mm-hmm. it went home the night. You know. All these different aspects that you typically wouldn't think of, you know, maybe like with watching slasher films. Because Which, talking about foreshadowing, yeah. I think this kind of shows like as interested as he is, he's not his brother. No, absolutely not his brother. He still has, um, like I he's said, a like very, very morbid curiosity. Yeah, but he's in the end, he's not. Which you know, I would say lends probably uh, a large hand to the horror genre in, in general because. I feel like a lot of people who do like horror to the extent it's like they're just piqued by the curiosity of of the macabre, but they don't like that aspect of behind the film. You know, well, like in real some ways, life. when I was watching it, it kind of spoke to me and it made me think that we like those of us that are into horror, yeah. and how it makes us feel and what we do and like how we delve into it and stuff. Marty is who we are, exactly. The people, us, as viewers, yeah. the people that really don't like horror, that are really scared, not scared of it because yeah, no. people just get scared, but people that are really offended by the fact that people would even watch some of these things. Exactly. I feel like they think we're Steve. You know, that's that's a that's a very good analogy of, of looking at that because uh, I think it is one of those genres too that gets because huge Steve misconception. is also a fan. He is. He's definitely a fan, and uh, but his his whole psyche is totally different from his brother's because his I think his brother Marty in this case is just fascinated by horror films in general, not not the killing, not doing the killing, and and all this other stuff that goes way beyond that scope. Right, that's yeah. that's something different. Which that's... you're right. I think a lot of people who who have misconceptions of horror typically see people who like that as that maybe character like, oh, you watch horror movies, so you might want to go out and kill people and 
mm-hmm. you know, it, this carries over, you know, to video games and all kinds of different forms of media, uh, these right. misconceptions. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, in the first couple of minutes, we're already delving with these topics. You know? <laughs> like, look at us over here. But it is. It's a very, like I said, just a, like, wow, holy shit moment that this kid's opening up a bag, looking at this head, examining it, and understanding that his brother is a killer. And, uh, you know, he starts to mention that. And then he wonders, too. He's like, you know, he's like, I hope I don't end up this way. Uh, so he worries about being caught by Steve at that point. Yeah. He doesn't want Steve to like, catch him. I know what happened. Like big brothers blame little brothers. Yeah, exactly. That's another he's good like, point. What's going to happen to me if if he finds out? Yeah. So he's he already, he's already getting into shit at this age, and he's probably what you think maybe eleven, twelve, thirteen, something like that. Uh, I figured probably about eleven. Yeah. Maybe on the verge of twelve. I think that's probably a good point for him. Yeah, eleven, twelve. So we have another young character, uh, which lends back to Phantasm as well. Who's mm-hmm. kind of coming to grips with some adult matter at a very, very early age, uh, and he's thrust into it. So yeah, so we're already when we're already into it. So after he uh, after he's examining it, I think he puts it back in the bag, puts it back in the closet, kind of like how it was before. Right. Um, and then he starts to go downstairs because he's worried he'll put it in wrong. Like exactly. So he's uh, he's he's well aware that where it's at, he wants to make sure it's in perfect. Yeah. Um, so he does. He he. Puts it back exactly how we found it. Uh, he goes downstairs. Um, the kitchen. Yeah, I think his mom's That's down when there. You see the mom. And yeah. I, the, the first thing I wrote was her acting stiff. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And uh, I, I was doing a little research. And she ends up doing better than the dad, I think. She, oh, yeah. In the the end. Dad, you know, I feel like the dad's first scene, he's uh, good. Yeah, but the and rest maybe of the film a little is... bit at the movies. Yeah, yeah. There's there's certain parts where he's more laid back, but then when there's serious parts, he's not. He crumbles. Uh, he does. I, you know, yeah, and I, she just gets better. She does, and I, you know, but I, this is all excluding that end scene because everybody's yeah. gold in the end scene. I totally agree with you there. And like I said, that that owes right back to the fact that it's a low budget and mm-hmm. there's an all Indiana cast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, and I even looked at some of the credits they did, and most of it was like little stage company productions mm-hmm. in their hometowns. Yeah, like so the mom is. I guess she's just she's in the in the kitchen. He's talking about working on his graphic uh, novel, which I thought this is pretty cool. As he named it uh, "Bag Lunch and Roach Man" as the name of his graphic yeah. novel. Uh, and tonight he gets to draw the blood. So he he talks about you know getting to draw graphic novels with a, some friends of his, or and you get to see some some of it. Yeah, and his. What was it? What did you say? Bag lunch. Yeah, bag lunch and Roach Man is the name of the comic. Yeah, bag lunch is obviously his idea of his brother as a fucking killer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very obvious. Very super obvious. Like, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> like later on in the film, you're like, it's no brainer. Yeah. Uh, Roach Man's a different different story altogether. Uh, I, I was where... surprised. So we'll we'll see them pop back up again. Yeah, in, exactly. In like five minutes or so, when they do the the actual little like yeah, credit like title screens. Yeah, and no, that's really cool. I thought they did a great job for for not being his. Yeah, I was surprised at how fucking violent Roachman <laughs> was. Yeah, dude. In, <laughs> in that opening sequence, it's yeah, it's pretty gnarly. I I, I love that part of the film. Like it's I, that was really neat. Right into it. Uh, we'll get there. Uh, yeah. in just a minute. But, but it's like pretty said, neat. Yeah, you're right. Um, but the whole the this whole scene is basically just his mom. And him having a discussion about the graphic novel. She wished he'd take up other interests. Uh, this is the first time we get to see Steve because he kind of kind of walks in, not even really acknowledging anybody. And the mom's like, oh, hi. And then he stops, turns back around, and he says, I said hi. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Basically. Uh, and at this point, I also wrote that uh, even though 
some of the acting might be stiff. Yeah. They're all very excellently cast. They look like they could have been a family. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I like later on, like, certain scenes, I was like, oh, maybe even the brothers had, like, this little, I don't know, like, that Midwest swooping, little, you know, curly hair. Not really, cur- like, super curly, but wavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, right. They looked like a, like a family unit. like a family. Yeah. That added something to it. Exactly. Especially disturbingly later. But no, I think that's that, that plays a, a good part in and maybe even some of the casting too, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, the, you know, like I said, Steve walks in, says hi, I said hi, uh then he walks off, and then Marty starts to narrate, because he does that a lot in the film. He does a lot of self narration. Um he talks about uh an art school incident about I guess some of the, the some of the stuff he had been drawing, whatnot. Oh, I think right. I think a teacher had like told on him or some shit like that. Yeah, that's what I. She yeah. had to go to the school. And, teacher you know, freaked out about a picture. Yeah, and he's like, you know, he mentioned he's like, I'm not a violent person. I, I pretty much I keep quiet and I do what I'm told. You know, mm-hmm. he just is like, you know, it just so happens that he's into graphic novels because he likes horror movies and, you know, so I mean, for a kid that age, your imagination runs wild. And, and if he, you're, art- he's like, I I don't want to grow old if it means I. Yeah, out of horror movies and graphic novels. Yeah, because as I said, he says his dad kind of talked about it. You know, he's like, oh, you know, boys will be boys. They like horror movie and graphic novels. And they'll they'll eventually grow out of it. And then, yeah, he said, if that's true, uh, then I never want to grow up. And so, you know, that's what he's doing. I think he's even working on a graphic novel as he's Mm -hmm. doing the narration. And then that's when... That's when it pops into the The opening title sequence. Uh, But before we talk about that, I just want to throw this out really Mm -hmm. quick. Um, that sequence was actually done by an Indianapolis artist uh, named Lowell Isaac. Okay. Uh, so another Indiana, you know, born resident. Uh, Damn! Shout out to Indiana. Did it. Yeah, man. So Indiana, big shout out, man. Good never job. been there myself. Uh, I've driven through Indiana a couple times. Uh, never really stopped in there. Got lost going around the loop in Indianapolis because um, the exit signs aren't great in Indianapolis <laughs> loops. But anywho, um, it's not a bad state, man. I mean, it's just you know, it's on your way to Chicago. There we go. Know. So, you know, stop in, see some pretty Midwest girls, why not? <laughs> Indiana, it's yeah. on your way to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Indiana, you're almost in Chicago. <laughs> not that bad. Yeah, okay. But no, I Sorry, like, Indiana, no, this nah. movie's great. You all, all jokes aside, it is a really pretty state, man. There's, I mean, they, a lot of agriculture. It is a pretty state, I'll, I will say that much. It's going to be hashtag Indiana. Hashtag Indiana, we're throwing you some love. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's, this whole sequence, it was done by one artist, and I think he did a jam-up fucking job on this. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah, I like I love that little opening credit sequence. Yeah, because it's... And it kind of made me wonder where this movie was going to go. Yeah, Cause that that's kinda, a good point. That kind of popped it wide open, like... And they, they never really go as no. surreal as popping, like, fucking comic sequences back in. No, but I thought that was really cool, It was cool, still a pretty neat way to do it. I liked it. Yeah, like I said, I think even when you were talking about uh, the roach earlier... Like, he, like, snaps up this guy's Dude, by the head. Dude, it bites somebody's fucking face off. Yeah, it was like, gnarly, dude. Rips his face off. Yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> I was yeah. really, really surprised. And that's Super the first violent. little bit where it gets violent. Yeah, and but, it, like, so there's, a, there's a, for graphic novel, they do a lot of uh, black and, like, red shots. Um, so it kind of gives you that graphic novel feel at night and those kind of sequences, yellow, you know, kind of circular shapes whatever but you know it gives you the feel like set of a graphic novel and maybe what's to come but it fucking bag lunch was kicking some ass too yeah man. dude yeah dude I think, was, uh, you know i even think maybe the director or maybe this guy in particular he might have been influenced a little bit by um i was thinking zodiac killer because sometimes i see scenes 
of that bag on his head. They do the zo- yeah. Yeah, so I was thinking maybe there's a little O to the Zodiac Killer too. I could see that. You know, but yeah, the anyway, whole the, sequence is awesome. Yeah, and the end sequence ends with a shit ton of blood, which yeah. leads into some spaghetti. Which spaghetti I like. time. Yeah, you know, I like spaghetti, and they did a good job. Um, I think this is uh, the dad uh, in this film. Who also isn't that great. But No, he. Know, I mean, he does his part. Like I said, he's not great, but he holds up. Um, he kind of snaps Marty out of the daydream that he was in, I guess about the graphic novel, you know, while they're having dinner. And then eventually, I think... And you see, he kind of, he's kind of supports Marty's fucking horror habit. Yeah. Like, like he, he's he has cool no problem with it. it. Like, he's like, whatever, like, he'll, either he'll grow out of it or it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, he's it's just, just fucking kid. horror movies. Like, it's not a big deal, man. Mm-hmm. You know, and I will say this too, uh, I think... He's my, kind of a piece of shit otherwise, though, honestly. Yeah, I, which is, that is kind of... And he kind of seems kind of inattentive to most things he it is. just seems he's like very just kind of boom just he's just there he pops in to sort of say his bit yeah and then that's it and then he fades out and he lets mom take care yeah. of him. yeah even this scene right here um the director talked about what with the mom and marty about to like kind of pantomime back and forth uh he said he he kind of got that a little bit from um i can't remember the name of the film right off the top of my head but he said there's a couple of scenes where he just kind of you know paying homage to some of the stuff that he grew up watching but that kind of scene where they're aping each other. He's like, there's, I think there was a particular movie where he he got that from. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and I'm, they're doing that because Steve Dad, walks in. Steve comes in, and they start arguing about oil being in the driveway, and you know, and then Steve is. I didn't know, even catch what the argument was about. Yeah, they're like, just, I just and that's what that's what the whole point is. They're just arguing over oil and whose oil it was, and Steve saying it's not his. He pays, he pays rent, he pays the bills. Leave me alone, mm-hmm. you know. And, he's, and his dad's pretty much. Being the you know patriarch in the family, and I, that was the one other thing that I didn't really catch. Maybe they, maybe I, they said it and I just missed it. Right, but they kept Marty, especially later on. Yeah, but somewhere, somewhere soon around here, he first sort of starts to mention how different Steve's become. But yeah. he sort of, he sort of says it in a way like something happened at some point. Yeah, but they never knows. really say what. No, which I think that would be maybe like a could be a cool prequel yeah. idea. What happened with Steve? How he, you know, maybe because I mean by the end he's like I mean Steve doesn't really exist anymore. Like this no. is this isn't him. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but, but you know he does sometime does really early on, and it's somewhere he around here, or maybe even that first part where Steve comes in, where one of the little voiceover bits is kind of like yeah. And I think you're right because that's about to come on, or that that scene's about to come up because, uh, like I said, Marty and his mom they're they're still at the dinner table while Steve and the dad are arguing about the oil. And like I said, they're kind of you know they're mimicking them back and forth like they're having the argument, but they're aping them. And did he say that Steve came back? Like, because it seems like Steve might have been gone for a little bit. Ah, uh, you know, he might have been back from work. I think he oh, might have just came back from gotcha. work. Gotcha. Um, okay. Because they mentioned that a little later on that he has a job and whatnot. I didn't even think he talks about that. I yeah, have a job. And this might be all shit that's blah, blah, blah. mentioned later it's just, on. Like, too. It's just it, little... it just making me think of it because yeah. that was the one thing. Because there was a couple different lines of dialogue that, that made it seem like there was some event happened where either something happened to Steve or Steve had been gone and then came back and something was different yeah. from that point on. I, I think just, just this, this whole scene. Pop, you know, I, I think maybe it's just kind of giving an idea that Steve is just kind of going through the motions in life. Like, he works, he doesn't really do a whole lot, mm-hmm. just kind of comes and goes as he pleases, you know, whatever. But, uh, like I said, it, that whole scene, I think it pays a bigger ode later on 
Um, because like so right after they have that little scene where like I said they're arguing and uh, Marty and Mom are like I said kind of aping them. Uh, I think Marty goes back into his room. It's kind of maybe a little bit later on that evening. It it shows the clock. It's actually way later on. Yeah, it's like I think after midnight. It's like one thirty. Yeah. Um, he's listening to a radio show. It's kind of like Mysteries a, uh, of the Unexplained. Yeah, and I liked it, man, because I listened to um, uh, like Coast to Coast, you know, radio mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, you know, so I'm familiar with some of those topics they were talking about. I thought that was kind of cool. Little, yeah, it was little... a Sasquatch episode. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. Now, what I also <laughs> noticed, and I had to write down, was also setting next to his alarm clock were two plush things. Yeah. One of them. A plush Cthulhu. Yep. I have the exact <laughs> yeah. same one sitting in my awesome, other room right? right over there. Yeah. Uh, and it looked like the other one was actually also Lovecraft. I believe it was a plush deep one. It might have been, yeah. Uh, I mean, anyone else out there who knows Lovecraft. Yeah. It looked like it was a plush deep one. Um, you, it was yeah. kind of obscured by the Cthulhu. Cth- yeah, Cthulhu. So it was kind of hard to tell. But it's for sure that awesome. was there. And yeah. I was like... Yes, I like this kid. Yeah, like, man. Me and this kid will get along. He had some really cool shit in his room, and so did so did Steve later on. But uh, yeah, he's he's listening to that that late night talk show, and his brother Steve comes in, uh, tells him that he can see the light from the hallway, and that you know he wants to maybe cover up because mom you know might see it, you know. And like I said, he's still working on that graphic novel, um, you know, and and he thinks no, like I said, his brother still acts like an older brother sometimes. So like he's kind of. Like already kind of tipping the hat. Like he's he's because he knows that his brother's a serial killer. I mean, we're not giving away any facts. These are the facts. Yeah, we already know he's a serial killer. You know, but he still feels like you know why is he still acting like a brother to me when he knows he's a serial killer? Mm -hmm. You know. So like I said, I think that like what you're saying, you kind of get some early ideas that there's a transition happening. Yeah, then like right after that scene, like so right after they, they popped, uh, they're back. Our Marty's back at school. I think he's eating a school lunch, kind of alone on a little bench in like this little tree grove. Yeah, it was kind of a kind of a nice little school playground. Though. Yeah, I wrote yeah. that I, at first. I couldn't tell if it was a school or a park. It looked. It could have been a park had we not known it was a school because it was nice. You know? Yeah. Uh, and I ended up just circling school when it when it became apparent that that's what was going on. Yeah, because I think we eventually see uh, one of the one of the first children outside of you know Marty uh, is his friend David. So he sees David kind of running by. Oh, cock, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Fuck David. Man. Anyway, he's, he, yeah, he's he's a little prick. Uh, but uh, he, you know, Marty runs over to to talk to him or discuss you know about the the novel they've been working on, and you can hear like some other kids in the background call to David. And, you know, he's kind of like, uh, you know, he's kind of putting him off, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he kind of blows Marty off and runs over to the kids. He's like, you know, we'll work on it later. Yeah, hey, go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bye. Um, and then, like I said, I think a little bit later on, or at this point, uh, some kids start to tease him about his lunchbox. Lunch yeah, you know, or they're calling him a, being a baby for having cartoons on it. And, Which you I know, couldn't only, see what was on it. Could you see what was on it? Uh, you know, I can't remember, but... Because it, it's probably something I dig and think that he was a cool kid I can't remember him. exactly what it was, because I don't, I don't think I paid too it much attention It's probably something awesome. Fuck those kids. But, you know... Seriously, No, I used to have those... My sister still collects those. Um, I mean, that's like straight out of the 70s and 80s, yeah. you know, all the way up to the 90s. Yeah, fucking lunchboxes of the shit. Dude, man. I mean, I don't really I, have I, any, but I've always I thought they that, were cool. that might pay an ode to the fact that you know, and I don't want to talk too too down on because I think every generation knows this, but it's just the fact that those kids they they've never seen that before, maybe or just it wasn't a part of their their upbringing is mm-hmm. the fact that kids carry those kind of lunch pails around. When I was in school, every kid had a lunch pail. You were kind of a dork if you didn't have one, yeah. you know. So it's kind of a, a reversal in in the way that is perceived. But anyhow, 
he does. He gets picked on for having his cartoon lunch pill. You know, they tell him it, only little babies have that and blah, blah, blah. Well, and this is Marcus, right, that's picking on him? I think it is. I think it's Marcus and, and Cause his I wrote down Because I forgot to write down who it was that was doing it, but I wrote down that it was terrible acting, and Marcus is the only kid yeah. in this movie I, you know, that I'm not sure if it was Marcus quite yet. I think it was just another little... Little One of his sidekick, little minions? like his little sidekick that's oh, in the bathroom right, right. a little bit later on. Oh, okay, but I think it was him, like him and another little random kid were teasing him. Yeah, so well, he's Marcus already getting is the worst, and his sidekick's <laughs> oh, the second worst. So it is, man. It's I it, what I think is there's a, there's a little humor in what that little kid does, but as as they're kind of like teasing him, maybe Marcus isn't it. I think they're because they are teasing him. The teacher comes over. And she's kind it's of probably like, both of them together. Yeah, and they're and she's you know breaking it up, and then they're asking what happened, you know. And, and anyhow, um, as as she's asking what's happened, like a little girl goes over, and she's like, "Marcus flipped you off," <laughs> you know. And she walks over to Marcus, and she confronts him about it, and uh, and he fucking just flips her off to her face. He does, man. I was like, "Holy shit, this kid's got balls." <laughs> he just kind of looks at her, and then just kind of boom, just puts it out there. Yeah, uh, no big and he deal. ends up getting he ends up getting detention. Yeah, he gets detention, and, and this he is a, immediately turns oh and fucking mean mugs. Yeah, he Marty. he mean mugs Marty. Oh yeah, he definitely does. And this this is another little scene in this movie where I you know I watched it a couple times because I thought it was funny is that the teacher starts you know telling the rest of that little that little huddle of kids <laughs> you know that um, I guess like the next one who talks out of line or you know or speaks oh, right. out of turn. Or gets out of lines, getting detention. detention. And that little kid, he's like, that's not fair. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, oh, yep. There you go. Exactly. And then he gets hit with another one for like, maybe like, I don't know, um, being condescending or some shit. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, uh, after that happens, you know, you can kind of see a couple kids smirking and laughing underneath their hands. And this one kid kind of comes up behind him and looks at him in the face <laughs> <laughs> to see if he's like crying or <laughs> whatever. Uh, yeah, so there's like so that's well, just, it kind of seemed ah, to me that it's, it's mostly it's just kids, man, it's kids being kids. The other thing is though, is it seemed that mostly ah. Marcus, Marcus seemed like he was only going to get a slap on the wrist, yeah. for bullying. Exactly, uh, it was just like a maybe after school detention for like maybe fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes. Right. The only reason he got the detention was because he kept fucking acting out past that. Exactly. Like, he didn't get in trouble for bullying. He got in trouble for flicking the teacher off. Right, but he still was like, after he got that detention, it was on Marty. Like, oh, yeah, Marty done fucked up because he got in trouble because Marty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I thought the, the funny part was, like, so just shortly after that little, little kid got in trouble for speaking out of turn, that, that little kid that was behind him in line just kind of turned around and looked at him in the face to see if he was crying. And then he kind of like smiles at the camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah, exactly. And then I think it goes back into like they're back in the school and they're in line to go use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, one little kid comes out and then she's like, all right, Marty, it's your turn. So Marty goes in the bathroom. Uh, and this is where he encounters kind well, of more bullying. This too. I thought was kind of funny too yeah. because she's like, she's keeping track. She's like, seemed like you were in there a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, she does. She's, she's keeping a time and all the kids. <laughs> you're right. She kind of calls that little kid out for taking the shit. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I thought that was funny and fucked up, but yeah. kind of mostly funny after, after uh, that bullshit that just happened. Yeah, like I said, but I, I think the funny thing too about this is that I think a lot of a lot of people in general can relate because you know if you went to public schools, you probably ran into some horse shit like that one time or another. With the yeah, teacher. at least once. Like, oh yeah. Oh, now you better get your fucking business done. We're, <laughs> no. You're you're bringing us all man, late. Like. I, I, you're right, man. It's funny, dude. That she's keeping a time on it. You were in there a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, like I said, once Marty goes in, uh, he heads straight to the stall. 
like to one of the you know bathroom stalls, locks the door, yeah. starts to go about his business, and that's when Marcus uh, starts to tease him. You know, he asked Mark uh, Marty why he doesn't use a urinal. Is it because you, you have got a little, small dick? Yeah, a little <laughs> dick. You know, um, which I thought was kind of fucked up. You know, in a sense because it's like um, I don't like using urinals per se too. If you're bunch around a lot of dudes, because it's like one, it's kind of uncomfortable. And well, two, I mean, you, you, you know, automatically you already do the one space. Like oh, that's yeah, just yeah, polite. that's that's like that's just that's just, that's dude rules, you know. Yeah. Uh, we, all men if there's a lot rules. of people, then you'll start filling up those middle spaces. Yeah, especially if you're about to pitch yourself. You're in to get in and get out. Like. Yeah. I'm not even worried about it at that point. If it's busy and, and you got to go, you got to go. But if there's like three but people in a... stall's open, dude. You go, and and there, even if there's those spaces in between, yeah. then you don't hit the spaces in between. You go hit the stall. Yeah, because it's already awkward. It's already awkward. Um, uh-huh. I'm, I'm hitting the stall. But yeah, like I said, they're calling them out for having a little dick and all this other crazy shit. Well, that's the other fact. Like... I mean, look, it's always been the taunt, like, ever oh, since yeah. we were little oh, kids. Of course. But it's still fucked up, like, looking back on it now that we're adults, like, yeah. motherfuckers, you guys are like 10 or 11. Like, <laughs> right. does it matter if you have a little dick? No. <laughs> no, it you all have little dicks. one bit. You all have little dicks. You also should not be using said little dicks to be doing anything. No, I mean, these, like, so these kids are 11, so they, they probably know a lot of sexual innuendo, but not really know the full scope of it. Much like when I was growing up, I would probably not necessarily tease kids like this because I thought it was like I, it wasn't a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. But um, just picking on kids in general is always going to happen. But this is a totally different subject because it's talking about wieners, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it is weird. So the whole point is they're teasing all of them, they're bullying him again. Um, even Marty, he's, he kind of wants to stick up for himself, so he uses an un-PC term. Yeah, he calls the kids fags. You know, right, well, the, the little, big. the minion kid goes yeah. under and he's like, he does, he does have a small he dick. He does. Yeah, I was like, why are you, why are you reporting on his little stop, dick status? Stop looking at his dick. I know. It's like, this this is part of, this is kind of a weird part of, of I think, the the, uh, the male culture is that we'll go out of our ways uh, to see each other's dicks, <laughs> to call each other out. <laughs> and, and all the while not really realizing how homoerotic that is. <laughs> you know, it's a part of uh, what they call locker room culture, which is weird. Yeah. All, yeah. all to begin with, you know. But yeah, then it's like, yeah, he's a little fag too and yeah. all this. Fucking... Yeah, I think they, they finally get him out of the stall. Yeah, they get him out of the stall. Him in the stomach. And then that's when they cues back to like this little kid, another kid in the, who just happened to be in the bathroom and the teacher and he starts to tell her you know so like, like what's going, going on out. in here he's like they try to see his thing <laughs> she's like his what <laughs> you know he's like you know his thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and she goes over to marcus and she's like marcus is this true and then he does it again <laughs> he man flips her off again. <laughs> he just kind of like he doesn't say anything he just looks at her and flicks her off in her face <laughs> you know i was like holy sh- this kid's got some big old balls man I can't, so, here's the one other thing, is, there was something else, I, I can't remember what it was, I hope I, I put it in my notes later on, yeah. but there was something that made this seem like it wasn't supposed to be set necessarily in the modern day, maybe more like in the mm. 90s. I can see that, I can definitely see that, the way that it's filmed. And I think maybe partially because they're still very, very VHS. dependent on VHS. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a great point, but... I, I, I will. I will admit this. I did some research on the place that they went to, and it still exists, and it still rents out VHSs. And I'll bring that up when we get to that point. But that place still exists. I, I would like to think, though, that this is a '90s movie. No, no, no. I'm, because no, that's in, a great point. In modern day, even 
even in the heart of rural Indiana. Yeah. I think an accusation of a kid crawling underneath a stall <laughs> to see another kid's yeah. dick and then calling him a fag. Oh, that's definitely like a 90s is, thing. Is going to be looked into today in a huge, huge oh, manner. Man. The way As that opposed they to the it, mid-90s, yeah. that really would have been uh, brushed off the way you know, it is in this movie. You know, a good point. I was Growing up that, in in a, the mid-90s, no, I can assure you it would have been brushed oh, off then. Like, I mean, I growing up in South Carolina, I can, I can attest to that. It would have been brushed off, no big deal. Like I said, boys will be boys. You know, like I said, uh, locker room culture, whatever. But but now I think about it a little bit, and this has nothing to say about the people per se in Indiana, but just the way that it's it's governed is that um, our, our vice president now, Mike Pence, uh, I think, believe he was like the governor. Oh. And they have like some strict anti-gay laws still in place. So maybe it's like a little social undertone too of, of the state of affairs in the Indiana. You know, but... I think, like I said, I think it's a great point of, of thinking this. This is probably better suited for a '90s film with the posters. There's and there's nothing that the culture. Mean, I mean, maybe maybe if you like paid attention to oh, the cars, yeah. maybe it's like a two thousand something. <laughs> yeah, but really, but there's they, nothing they in this movie like that makes this not a <laughs> yeah. '90s movie. No, this is definitely like a throwback to '90s. And I think it would no make doubt. more sense set in the mid '90s yeah. if it's not. Just uh, gonna no, say no that. doubt. <laughs> I, no, I think that's a great point. Like I said, because there's there's. So many, so many nods to the '90s in this film, um, but but any, like I say, <laughs> anywho, um, like I said, after Marcus flips off the teacher, uh, I think it shows Marty and his mom. They're in the car driving. He's back getting home. to go home early. Cause yeah, of all the shit that happened. Exactly, and so you know, which that is true to life. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> <For sure. laughs> yeah, no, no kid wants to live the rest of that day after going through that bullshit, yeah. you know, twice. Um, so anyhow, I think his mom's asking. You know, if she, if he wants to talk about it, he's like, no, I don't want to talk about it. So uh, she just she drops him off at home. He um, does ask if they can have a movie night. He does. Like, yeah, yeah. She talks about you know having to do certain things at work and whatever in order to do all that shit. Mm-hmm. But you're right. Uh, he does mention that he wants to have a movie night. He hasn't done it in a while. And then like and then so he's I asked, just home alone. Yeah, she drops him off, goes back to work. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, she like said she he asked about if David can spend the night, all that good stuff. I think, it, it, like, I think uh, he's... Fuck David, by the way. Yeah, that what little kid... A little cop He says cop some funny cop. things, but he's a big old dickhead. Yeah, he's uh, a giant dick. It, I mean, most people in this movie are kind of dickheads. You know, you know what's funny, too, like I said about this before, she even, like, drives off, I think, is as a part of the deal for him and getting to have that movie night with David, uh, she's like, well, you have to give me a kiss as a part of the deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so she still kind of does treat him like a little baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right, she just kind of... You know, she she drops him off, and, and what's the first thing that he does once he gets dropped off and gets back in the house? He goes and grabs his gloves. Like yeah, his he goes straight underneath the kitchen sink, grabs a pair of gloves, um, and start getting the voiceover. Yeah, mom says everyone has a secret. Yeah, he does. He talks about kind of like family secrets, which which dealt same thing with visitor cues. There's a lot of family secrets per se. Mm-hmm. He um, likes finding them. He does. Uh, so one of the first things when when I first watched this scene. Um, upon my more recent viewings, it's like I couldn't remember exactly what he was doing, so automatically my mind was thinking, oh, he's, shit. he's going straight back to Steve's room and getting ahead and examining the head again. But you're right, he goes 
I think he first, goes to his mom's room. First he goes for mom's. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I was really, really hoping that mom Dil- was a freak and that it was going to be dildos. <laughs> dildos, not, not like normal ones, though. No, no, like, no. And I'm not meaning like freak-like fetish no, no. shame. I mean like you just like to get do your thing yeah. in a big bad way. And I was hoping he was going to find got power drills. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> She got power tools. But it wasn't. It was love letters. So yeah. that was still. In which I thought was funny because uh, the name he used in the film was Danny. He's like, why does she keep love letters from Danny? Why is she married to dad if she has these letters from him? And how different it would be if she married Danny and all this stuff. And I had to laugh because that's, that's my name. So I was like, damn. Damn, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> way to go, Danny. Yeah, way to go, Danny. Fucking up relationships. Uh, uh, so he talks about that, like, you know, her keeping private things. Um, nobody wants them to be exposed. He can't help it. But then he starts to talk about, um, you know, it's nothing compared uh, to what his dad has. <laughs> yeah. Dad's, of course, is just like a stack of porno mags. Yeah. Dad's just like any other, da- I guess, like I said, 80s, 90s dads, su- you know, supposedly yeah, suburban porn, dads. Yeah. Because yeah. now you have the internet. You don't yeah, need to stack don't porno mags. You just you go through history, and, you know, if they don't know how to clear it. Um, yeah. But you're right. He just talks about that, like, you know, as much... Uh, if if mom only knew what dad had, you know, how would she react? But he's kind of flipping through like these porno mags. Not really. I think it's more like a probably Playboy or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's not even. Yeah, it's Maybe not even super hard. You can kind of you can kind of see. This. I would guess that those are probably in there as well, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're buried deep and probably stuck together somewhere. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I thought it was kind of cool too because he he mentions the fact that you know if he ever got in real big trouble he'd. He'd call out dad on his porn stash to mom. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. He does well, make note of that. And then he seems really intrigued by a centerfold. Yeah. That because of the way she's aligned, sort of seems hacked in half. That's a good point. I didn't really think about that, but that's a perfect point. Because he was. He was fascinated with a particular picture in that magazine that he was rifling through. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it's just the way that, like, it opened up too much, or I can't. I, I feel like there was something that fell across it, maybe like a red ribbon or something. That's a good point. I, you know, that would be a good scene to kind of look back on. Uh, I can't, or maybe it was even something in the picture itself. That's a possibility. Uh, that's but a good the, point. with the way the ribbon was combined with just the the opening of the page, it kind of made her look like she was hacked in half. Yeah, which I guess we'll we'll uh, kind of tip. Maybe it tips his hat to later as well. You know, I think there are some foreshadowing. Like, there's a lot of foreshadowing deep down in this movie as well. Um, that could be a good point. I, I might have missed that one. Um, yeah. So, like, so after he after he's rifling or Marty's rifling through all his parents' shit and all their secrets, you know, calling them out on their secrets, I believe it, it goes into Steve's room. Like, he's uh, he's in there, and one of the first things I noticed about that room, or at least Steve's room, is like you see all these movie posters on the wall. Yeah. Uh, he's got some badass old school movie posters too. Uh, one that I noticed was the movie Popcorn, which I'd seen a long fucking time ago. I, probably, I, like, I realized I'd never seen Popcorn. I have. I've seen it. If I had seen it more than three times, I'd probably be lying to you. Mm-hmm. I might have seen it only once or twice tops. And that was back when I was really little, like younger than that kid in the movie. So I was probably like eight, seven, eight years old when I'd seen that movie. I remember it vaguely. I think that was the same time I'd seen like maybe Waxwork and stuff like that. Those kind of films. Okay. Uh, but I have seen it. But long story short, you see that. I even think there's like some sketches too, um, maybe like a Hellraiser style sketch um, on one of the walls. And, yeah, and I believe oh, I might get the band wrong. I hope I wrote it down later. And if I did, well, that's okay. But I'll he, correct myself. He does crank uh, some tunes. He pops on some metal, and I believe I saw Venom 
yeah, poster in the I back. I think you're right, right, man. He likes it. He's if you really pay close attention to some of the stuff in the in in those rooms, Marty's room and Steve's room, uh, they got some really cool shit in there, man. Like like so if you really like horror films, they got a lot of cool posters. You'll start to see like VHS tapes later on. Now the only um, thing, the only thing that got me was earlier on. He made it a point that he was starting to get worried about yeah. what would happen if he got caught. Exactly. And then he decides to crank the fucking metal before in rifling his room. through his brother's <laughs> in, shit in his brother's room that he's worried about finding his shit. But he does. He uh, he goes straight. Into so the he closet. can't hear his brother coming. No. And his brother will know he's in there fucking with his shit. God, I mean, that's like that's like the reverse of not trying to get in trouble. Like, you're trying to get caught, dude. Which is where... So, this was my first time through. Yeah. And every all, all I had kept hearing was, you won't believe the end. You won't believe the end. Well, that has me so inclined in this day and age to think twist ending. Okay, yeah, yeah. That at this point, <laughs> I started wondering... Are Steve and Marty the same person? Is ah. this the first? Is this somehow the first foreshadowing to that? Okay, I can see that. That's uh, a good point. Which is debunked pretty quickly, and especially yeah, with the way they interact and the other characters interact. But I was just like, I just kept hearing the ending will blow your mind. Yeah. Like, well, could you know, it be because, a twist? Are they the same person? Because I try not to give too much away, even even when I gave you that premise. Like, you just have to watch it, man. It's like, because I, I felt like if I had mentioned even one thing, I was giving it too much away. And um, even then, like, even when it became apparent that they were still interacting with people yeah. in ways that should debunk it, I'm like, well, I've seen high tension. Yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And that, All of that doesn't necessarily make sense either, but no. it's still amazing. Yeah, and they, I think that's another one, too, later on I would love to, oh, me too. to do. But you're right. That's a good point because that's a great film to kind of lean back on because that's, that movie's fucking a It whole doesn't hell of a all completely make sense. No, I think it's one of those you have to watch several, several, several times like Donnie Darko and Jacob's Ladder and all kinds of other films. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like I said, is he trying to get caught blaring some metal music with rubber gloves on? And I think... But uh, he puts the head back in time but puts yeah. on that gas mask. He does. He. I think he goes and looks into the through the bag and, and discovers no head oh, in it this no time. Head. That's right. No yeah. head. Yeah, I and mean, that's when he looks over to like this the <laughs> nightstand and he sees the gas mask for the first time, mm-hmm. which I think that plays a huge role in this film later on, and we'll find out why. And um, look, I'm inclined to be creeped out about gas masks anyway. Yeah, because as hinted at in earlier episodes, I am a gigantic nerd across the board. Yeah. Uh, and that includes being a Whovian. And there's a really <laughs> creepy episode, including uh, a, a child wearing a gas mask. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Called the empty child. Oh, wow. It's fucked. It's, it's a fantastic episode. I, I recommend yeah, it. I yeah. recommend Dr. But, to everybody. But, but, but you know, so I'm already inclined to be kind of creeped out by gas masks yeah. because of the empty child, but at least he didn't put it on and say, are you my mommy? So, <laughs> That would have been really fucked. I think he would have told you exactly what he had been watching maybe a couple of days beforehand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think this is a good point in the film too because this is the first time he's kind of peering through a killer's eyes uh, as well with that gas mask. So he puts it on and he's kind of looking at himself in that, I guess, like the stand-up mirror that he has mm-hmm. in his room. Um, you know, so he's he's kind of, like I said, almost maybe imagining what it's like to have that on, that because he's already kind of tipping his hat that he knows he wears some kind of mask or some shit with that. Um, yeah, he's going to be bad doing character. basically. Yeah. yeah, you know, so he knows he wears something. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty wild. He puts it on, 
Well, and then, then Steve walks in. <laughs> and he's him. pissed immediately. He's super pissed because he's like, what, what are you doing in my room without permission? Fucking with my shit. Yeah. Take, you know, you're yeah, he takes his shit thing. off. Yeah, exactly. But he cools uh, off pretty quick. He does, you know, because I think he he's like, all right, my little brother. You know, and he knows up. something happened. Yeah, he, yeah because he, he's home early. You ask him why he's home early. Uh, Marty starts to tell him about, you know, the bully incident in the bathroom mm-hmm. and all that other shit with Marcus. Uh, he starts to recall the events, you know, whatever. You know, I think he, you know, he's like, you know, did you fight back? You know, stuff like that. He's like, well, I called him back. And, you know. He's like, oh, well, that's good, but you got to punch him. Yeah, exactly. He's like, you got to do a little bit more than that. You got to do And, like, that's good. Like, that's a good start. But exactly. at, least you, at least you didn't do, you know, nothing. But <laughs> Yeah, but it has to be a little bit more than just name calling. And um, I think eventually. I thought it was funny, too, because he's like, he tried to look at your dick? Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, I called him back. He's like, well, that's good. But he's like, but next time to punch him, <laughs> you know, some, it's like something of that, that, that nature. Um, and then he, I think he eventually resolves to the point where uh, Steve kind of confronts Marty about the fact he's like, you know, do, would you rather be the kid getting picked on or would you rather be the kid getting in trouble? You know, because I think he. Oh, yeah, I wrote that. Down he right he right talks here. about, you know, what did the kid get in, ter- in, you know, in terms of punishment? And he tells him, he's like, that's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. big fucking whoop. Like. Yeah, exactly. And then. Um, after, and that's when he really cools down, and he's like, exactly. Look, and then he's do like, whatever, just ask me first. Like, exactly. He's like, you know, you can listen to my music, you know, you can hang out in my room, whatever. But you're right. He's like, just ask permission first, no big deal, you know. And then it, right before he leaves the room, yep. he asks him, uh, he asks, this is a major, major, major Which uh, Marcus? Part. Yeah, and what does he tell him? Do you remember the kid's name? Because I, I got it written down. It's all right. Marcus Stan. Almost. I think Colonel. Marcus Sanders? <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> but yeah, but he, he specifically tells him which Marcus it was, and he's like, Marcus Sanders. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, Marty mm-hmm. might not have known that maybe right away, but I knew that right away. That, oh, shit, he knows which Marcus it is now. Yeah, so once, once Marty reveals Marcus's full name, uh, accused in the next scene, which I, I like, this is one of my favorite, <clears throat> one of my favorite, like, mini scenes that happens because it's really interesting this set really is cool. really neat and it actually reminded me a lot of texas chainsaw massacre too yeah like i said it, it has some really cool elements it's a weird fucking so it's like a railroad <laughs> museum yeah but it's and, definitely uh, not like some deranged wacko lives out there exactly it, it's kind of like in a an abandoned it almost looks like a uh, an abandoned junkyard but it's a railroad museum like you said with a lot of old rail carts um, Tons this, of old Halloween shit. Yeah, it's really everything's cool, man. fucking done with done up with like skulls and shit. Yeah, like I said, it's it's almost like like I said, being in a carnival again because he throws a switch once he goes on inside one of the rail cards. He throws the switch, turns the power on, and you get kind of like that carnival style music. Everything kind of lights up. And which the, so when they first were there, yeah, and he, like they flipped that on and shit. Like I thought maybe. What stick has David? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought maybe like David's parents ran the place or something. Okay, yeah, I can understand. And that, that. they were supposed to be there. Yeah, like he's and going that's there why, it's and that's why they would fucking flip on the fucking power and shit. No like, big deal. Yeah, this is a little bit. I think a little bit before he he actually bumps into to Davy. He's like he goes in there on his own. You see that. Um, but since that's the person who he, he immediately oh, yeah. finds, like no, I was like, oh, never mind. That makes sense. Like, it would make perfect sense because why else would he be there as well? Yeah, yeah. I can I can see that, man. Which no, it's just like some random, random yeah. fucking. Like I said, an old railroad museum. Is actually, I mean, like I said, it's just it's just a part of an old track. It looks like 
which is some old abandoned. I can rail see carts. this being like a roadside attraction. They just never give any establishing shots to be yeah, like, yeah, man, like a billboard somewhere to be like. Railroad museum filled with skulls and badassery. That could be in part of like another, miles. maybe an ode to um, like a House of a Thousand Corpses style, you know, like these little off side road attractions, you know. Yeah. Which, yeah, are all over the place. <laughs> they are, man. If, if you're looking for them, they're out there. And, and this some is of them one are of them. just this weird. Like, yeah. And I like it because it's not, it's not like something that's, like you said, huge and advertised. It's something you might have to inquire about. Yeah. But yeah. So they meet up there. I can't remember how long they're there. They do get run off by the owner, and that's when you yeah. realize that they're just fucking trespassing and hanging out in this joint. Exactly. Fucking... I thought it was kind of cool, too. Like I said, Marty, before uh, his friend David bumps into him, he's kind of looking at all those masks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, because we had mentioned that, you know, like in one of our earlier episodes of, of around Halloween time, you know, looking at the the, uh, the Halloween mask oh, with that's Pinhead right. and all these other characters. He was kind of doing that a little bit, you know. And, uh, yeah, David spooked him. He was wearing a mask of his own, you know. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that was yeah. kind of funny. He's like, you want to see something really scary? And then they go into that other cart, and um, he shows him, like, this little pickled baby. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he tells him, "Is like, it might it's be this... this lady's, like, 20 years ago. It might be her mm-hmm. baby. Because of this and this. and Yeah. I, I swear. <laughs> and it's pretty cool. Like I said, it, it, the whole thing it had a really cool vibe, too. I felt like it was... It, it was solid. neat. Like, I really like that set. Yeah. It, like I said, it really reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. I can completely understand. Yeah, man. It's I, Like I said, it's, this is one, a really cool scene. I really like this scene a lot. Yeah, they, they do. You can hear, like, the owner in the background, like, I told you, kids, not come down here, not safe. Yeah, and you're like, oh, Jesus. Like, yeah, and they're kind of, like, giggling and who smiling. Who the fuck has shit. this place exactly and, and like in the kind of voice and they, too, like they're the ones weird. that showed up and turned it on like he yeah. didn't seem to be running it as a museum no he no, no it was just, just like he would it. yeah like this is just part of his house and like don't be cutting on my breakers and shit i didn't tell you to do that yeah so whatever it's <laughs> yeah. still a cool place uh but i can imagine like the side story like said of the owner he could have his own little <laughs> little side story but yeah they, they wind up uh like i said they wind up running off because they get chased off and they run through like this this really open field. Oh, that was kind of cool because I remember doing that when I was a kid, mm-hmm. just running through little fields and hills Back like when that. You actually had energy to run and actually do shit. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, I was like, then the, yeah, you don't have time to be thinking about that as a no. kid. You just do it, and now I was like, man, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I'm not gonna do that for fun. For you know, fun. that's not fun. No, I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. something better be chasing me. All <laughs> <laughs> <No>, right, <laughs> but yeah, it, I like said they wind up <clears throat> eventually running off, and. Uh, like so once that happens, uh, I think it cues back to now. It's like it's cueing back to Marty, his mom and his dad, and they're all eating dinner at the dinner table. And uh, this is when this we get the first up. kind of an idea of some of the family dynamic that's that plays feeds out into um, later on. It, like I said, it, it's like uh, like I guess the best expression is like like father like son. Yeah. And Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Those, those might kind of even explain some of the other actions later on. <clears throat> well, that's what that's uh, kind of what I'm emulation of his father. Exactly. Uh, not necessarily who we we might think it is, but it it and it winds up like I said having that effect on this character. But uh, Dad winds up talking about black people in a very racist tone, you know, calling them the N word and all that stuff. Um, because he he's like finding out the details of what happened with Marty. Uh, with the bullies, you and know. A, yeah, what he does calls he say? He's like, 
you know. He'll, oh, and, what else does he say? It's something like, uh, well, I'll stop calling them that when they stop acting. Yeah, like and she's like, Stan. You know, eventually we find out that's dad's name. But the mom's just like, you know, don't don't listen to Marty. You, basically, you know what I mean? Stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and he tells him he can stay at home and watch movies, basically. Exactly. Is the end of that. Yeah, and, mom, exactly. And mom, it just sets them up going to the video store later. Yeah. In the, well, the very next scene, basically. Yeah, exactly. And he, and he kind of even... The, Big takeaway is is dad. Yeah, like I said, that whole scene was just basically giving you an understanding that dad has some racist qualities to him. Like he he views a certain race in a certain way, and it's like it's very racist. So and he kind so of brushes it off by like you know you can stay home rent some movies. All black heads, one white head. Yep, exactly. So you kind dad's of, now. Yeah, you like I said, you get an idea casually. Of, <clears throat> you get an idea of what's going on with this family a little bit, no doubt about it. Um, but you're right. Like I said, I think even his mom mentions like, you know, when they're mentioning, uh, the bullying, because I think even dad's like, you know, it happens, you know, bullying happens is what, you Keep know, just blowing it off. Yeah. It's weird how the, how the family does that. And then she, she kind of mentions like Marty, you know, no one should have to go through that. So that's when I guess when they kind of agree, like he can stay home and mm-hmm. don't rent movies, but you're right. And then it kind of like, so this is, goes back to that. Maybe where this goes back to the nineties, you know what I mean? Because his he and his mom go to the next scene and they're pulling up to a uh, a little video store. I think it's called Video to Go. I think it was the name of the place. Nice. Uh, and I was like, so that oh. sounds like a hometown video rental. It in does, the 90s. you know. And like I said, I I even I was like, you know what? This fucking place has the phone number written on the building. Let me let me Google search this, and guess what? It's still there. Uh, if anybody's interested, it's in Ellettsville, Indiana. So if you want to go visit and rent out some VHS tapes, Ellettsville, Hopefully Indiana. Hopefully, they has have place. VHSs. I hope so. That'd be pretty awesome, man. Uh, well, I think especially because they places. had a good selection. I only wrote down did, a couple man. of them. <clears throat> what I noticed, uh, I made Sorry, note man. of, is when he's in there checking out videos, yeah. and there's another scene coming up where we could do the same thing. But if you just paused it, mm-hmm. we could write down the list of all those oh, yeah. and go through those on this podcast, and it would be a perfectly acceptable time. It would be so much fun. Uh, but we're, that's not what we're going to do. You know, do. It, what was really cool about that, and I'm glad you brought that up too, is because I, I even paused it a few times to kind of take a glance at what some of those movie titles were. And I was like, like, I remember seeing a bunch of these when I was at video rental stores way back when. Well, one uh, one that I noticed <laughs> that was in there that I, I kind of... I'm not going to say we will for sure, but okay. I would maybe possibly like to do it at some point is yeah. White Zombie. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I did see that as well. Um, and I did uh, notice <laughs> uh, Surf Nazis Must Die. No, there were some, like, some really cool ones. There was one that I, I had seen, and I was like, uh-oh, I know where I recognize this from. I think the name of the film was called Witchcraft. Okay. And it has a um, softcore porn actress like she did Cinemax movies and HBO mm-hmm. movies back in like the eighties. Uh, I was like, "Hold on, that's where I recognize this person uh, from." Oh, um, yeah. So anyhow, <laughs> I was like, "This is a movie I remember seeing maybe way back when because I recognized who that Five person was." Five minutes at a time. Yeah, like oh, whoops! <laughs> I was watching Sports Center, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, it was cool. Like seeing, seeing all those old films and recognizing them, and it brought good back good memories because that's something I would have done too. Like run straight to the horror movie section. Oh, just yeah, oh definitely. And geeking out like oh, like looking at the titles, looking oh, at the boxes, and all the coolest boxes. That's something that I did. And he's miss, kind man. of attracted to headless, and it's yeah, empty. It is. He picks up a couple of them. I think he picks up uh, one called Deep Dwellers, Death Rattlers. Yep. And he does. He, he sees that headless one, and he's a little transfixed by it, like you said. Um, here's, here's a really cool uh, part right before he goes 
and does this. I thought this was kind of funny too. As like as he picked out his films, uh, I guess he went to the curtain of like where the adult section was at, and he's kind of like a little he's bit peering through. Around he didn't really open bit. it, but he's yeah, he's kind of like you know peeking around, and then this dude awkwardly pops out. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> they had that awkward moment. <laughs> I was like, all right. I was like, I, you know what? I, I remember those rooms. So, and that's another thing. Once again, this is my first time through. Yep. Everybody keeps saying fucking endings crazy. I'm yeah. like, weird, crazy, lingering camera on this guy for a split second. <laughs> yeah, is maybe. Is he going to have something to do with this? Yeah. No, this first and last time we see this. This, this guy is probably like he just a, a friend. He was just getting his fucking... He just so happened to be at the video rental place while they're filming. He was getting his skin flick. (laughs) Yeah, he had he had other things in mind. Yeah, (laughs) you know. Never mind. So don't worry about him. Yeah, but but I thought that was just funny, man. Like, because that's that's something I I can uh, I can remember seeing those curtains back in in the eighties and nineties. Like, I I can't remember the last time I seen one, but it've been I I can remember that time period when I was going to college down in Dillon, the video rental place had, I mean, they had, it was DVDs, but they had, they had a curtained adult DVD section. Keeping it classy. Yep. But yeah, I thought that was funny, man. Uh, But as he he goes to check out the films, you know, and his mom's, I think looking at, she's like, Marty, you know, but here's, here's something I didn't realize until after I'd watched the film was uh, the video store clerk is actually Todd Rigney, the author of the novel. Oh, wow. So he's actually, like said, in the movie, he's in the movie, and I didn't realize until after I watched. That's cool. Saw the credits, so yeah, uh, that was cool. That you know Scott Shermer and, and he decided, hey, let's, you know, I'll Oops. be in the film. That'd be cool. Woo. Yeah, so yeah, we get to see the uh, the author, the guy who who made this film happen. Uh, but as you know, they're checking out the films. He he tells Marty, you know, hey, the, you know, the movies. If it's not in there, it's either been lost or somebody stole it. Mm-hmm. Essentially, so. He, I guess he, he just kind of puts it back or whatever. And like, he, oh, whatever. Yeah, so he gets, he got the other two films, and I think this is, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think this is right after he, you know that he gets all those rentals. It it kind of cues back to Marty in his room. It's late at night again. Um, he gets woken up by thunder, like you know you hear that thunder crashing oh. and shit like that. Yep. Um, and then you kind of the power flicks off. Yeah, the power. You, well, at this point, like I said, there's it's a big thunderstorm or you know about to happen. Mm-hmm. It does it knocks out the power? He gets up and walks over to uh, Steve's room. He kind of knocks on the door. And he's like, you know, Steve, are, are you awake? Are you in there? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And then he goes and he starts to peek in and, and uh, Steve's not there. And then he starts to search around for, I guess, a flashlight. Well, he doesn't really have to search. He knows where it's at because oh, we already yeah. established he likes to creep. Well, yeah, he knows where everything's at. You're so right. he pops into <laughs> – I noted that it was Steve's drink stash and it, yeah. was, it was low lit. And so it looked like he pulled out a bong. I wasn't he positive. Did. He did. He pulled out a bomb. He did. We find out later on he, he pulled did. out a bomb. He did, man. <laughs> I was like, yes. But at first I was just like, uh, it could just be an ornate bottle. Because like the other three bottles he pulled out were all definitely drink bottles. Oh, yeah. And it was it was just his Steve's little alcohol stash. Uh, he does. But then back there he had a flashlight and he pulled that Yeah, out. he does. He pulls it from like his nightstand. Um, I think like as he's like getting the flashlight... I think that's when Steve, Steve enters the room, out. and he like he boom, he's right up underneath the bed. So he crawls up underneath Steve's bed, and Steve, like you know, Ethan who plays the part, he, he does a killer job. But it's kind of like you know, if you if you're really watching it, he just kind of like, oh, I'm looking for this. Oh yeah, where yeah. is it? Dang it! So that was like you know, not his his stronger moments, but he was he was doing something. He was looking for something essentially, and um, I think he starts looking around in the closet and shit like that. Like where is it at? And then, right, well, and he starts to reach under the bed, 
and Marty has the, the yeah, thought has to the at least just... Yeah, and he does. He kind of rolls it to Steve's hand as Steve's kind of like aimlessly searching for it. So that way he bed. finds it and doesn't look any yeah. further and to find he, him. He even turns it on like mm-hmm. immediately and it hits Marty in the face. But he's not looking. He's no, just... no, no. But, you know, at that moment, I can understand like, the terror maybe for Marty because he's like, oh, shit, busted. But he doesn't. He doesn't oh, yeah, get busted. The, the smell coming from my pants would have given me away. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like I said, as as he gets the uh, the flashlight, you know, as Marty gives it to him, um, I think he, he comments about the, the power going out, whatever. And no, I know what he does. He he looks at himself in the mirror, and he's, that's like, what he talks himself up. Yeah, he well, does. He gets a shovel. He does. He gets the shovel from out of his closet, um, and then he like like I said, he looks over at that like that stand up mirror that he has, and he's like, "Can you handle this?" I can handle anything you get. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's you're he like, oh, like shit. he kind of has like a little smirk or a laugh or whatever. And then he exits the room. You know that some shit's about to go down. For him. Yeah, some shit's really about to go down. Like I said, powers out. I think he even mentions the fact like he's like fuck. You know, I, I, he he wasn't anticipating power getting knocked out. You know, as a part of this plan. Mm-hmm. But he, like I said, he's got this. He can handle it. He walks outside. Marty gets up and out out of the bed. And I think he runs back to his room and peers out. At Steve, and I think Steve looks back at him as like you see lightning kind of flash. Yeah, so you kind of get like I said, you get that like this ominous feeling, like something's about to happen. Like maybe he witnessed the beginnings of something about to happen. Mm -hmm. So I think, like I said, I thought that was a pretty cool scene. So after that, Alex said after that, I think it it goes back to Marty. Like the next day, he's waking up in bed. You know what? I bet thinking about it. Yeah, uh, I didn't make a note of it. I didn't think to think about it then. Uh, but I bet in that scene, mm-hmm. if you would have looked in the room after Steve left, the mask probably would have been missing as well. Oh, or yeah. did, or do they show him grab it? You know, that's a good point. I, uh, like I, said, I remember the the shovel. I don't like he grabs the the mask. I don't but I remember. bet it would have been if you would have. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like I said, I, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't, t- it wouldn't make total sense. Um, but I, like I said, those are the two things I remember: it's just the flashlight and the and the shovel, and then him looking back up at him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then it, like I said, then it cues back to uh, Marty waking up in his bed. The alarm clock starts to flash. I think he gets out of bed and then goes out and like to the hallway area up, upstairs, and he's calling for mom and dad. And then you can hear Steve telling him that they, they already left for work. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and then I guess Marty walks over to the bathroom, and you and see he's Steve shaving. shaving. Yeah, you know he's, he's he's getting ready for the day. He's getting ready for the morning. You know. So anyhow, he, he's you know he's explaining to Marty. You know, it's almost. What, like before 8 o'clock? Because I think even Marty's asking him what he's doing there. He's, he's like, like, do you even know what time it is? Yeah, like, he's like, I'm getting ready for work. Mom and Dad are already taken off. They're at work. It's not even 8 o'clock yet. you got the whole day ahead of you. Yeah, you know? It's your day out. off. Just relax, man. Um, so I think Marty starts to explain like some of the video rentals that he had checked out. Um, he tells, uh, after you know he's talking about these movies, he's like, you know, this one has... Like we're you know like some kind of zombie movie where like these oh yeah it was kind of dude, touching there's this really cool yeah. like brother like bonding moment because they're yeah. both really into this and he's like oh you you'll really like this and uh, yeah like, it was it was it, you're right it was like a, a brother brother moment you know brother mm-hmm. brother big brother little brother uh, I had a few of those growing up uh, but yeah like I said they're they're talking about movie rentals uh, and then I think uh, Marty notices that Steve's starting to bleed like around his neck and he's mm-hmm. like oh shit you know and starts to kind of wash himself off and. Anyway, uh, I think they start to talk about, you know, the fact that Marty, he's not sure if he can, like, stand up to Marcus and, like, fight him and, like, punch him. And, you know, he's all like, this other stuff. what if I hit back and it doesn't do anything? Yeah, he, like, he's, he's really contemplating, like, the fact that he might not be able to stick up for himself, you know. And then what does he do at that point? 
Um, and then he tells, you know, Steve, or at least Steve, he's like, you know, don't worry, Marty. It's it's your day off. You got the, like I said, you got the whole day to relax. And then I think this is when Marty asks uh, Steve if he can borrow Hellraiser. Yeah, well, he's like, yeah, can I go through your movie collection? He's like, I want to watch Hellraiser. Yeah, he's like, because, you know, David's coming over. I'm going to watch Hellraiser. And I thought he's like, he's like, yeah, it's cool because you asked this time. Yeah. So it's cool. <laughs> and he's like, you should watch Nightbreed. It's also Clive Barker. Yeah. Which was crazy because we just, just mentioned, mentioned that. that. <laughs> and he's like, it's all about like a bunch of monsters out in a graveyard or something like that. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what he said. He said but... something like it being a sequel or some shit. But no, he just paid the ode that he, he just dropped Hellraiser and he just dropped the Nightbreed reference. Well, here's the other thing that it made me think, yes. though, is the night... The neat thing about Nightbreed is that the monsters are the good guys. Yeah, they are. And at this point, you have an idea that Steve might know that Marty knows what's going on. He doesn't know for sure. And you know later on when he knows for sure. Oh, yeah. But maybe he's getting a But he might because he just looked back and possibly saw him in the window. Yeah. He knows he's been going through his shit. Oh, yeah. How can you not know? If if you're a big brother or little brother, you know when people's been snooping. And so... The whole, like I said, the whole point behind Nightbreed is, like, the monsters are the good guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so maybe that's, like, look, like, I'm still your brother. Like Maybe he's trying to steer him in a different direction <clears throat> with some of these films. Or or even just saying, like, look, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm a monster, but I'm the good guy. You know, that that's another great point, too. Like, so there's there's a lot of really, you know, like I said, cool connotations in these conversations they have. Um, but yeah, like I said, he, he's really cool to him. He even drops, like I said, a mention. And then as, as he's doing that, Marty, he starts to ponder, you know, he, like he, he starts to narrate again. He's like, um, he starts pondering about missing the old Steve and why there has to be two Steves. Um, you know, as he's watching Steve leave from his bedroom window. So he's watching Steve mm-hmm. walk off to go to work and he's starting to think those things to himself. He kind of hates the fact that there's two Steves because he missed having that Steve that was in the bathroom being a brother to him. All the time. Yeah, yeah, but he also knows that there's another side of Steve that he hasn't That's, seen yet. Or maybe he doesn't he, even want to see. Yeah, you know? he probably doesn't want to see, really. Exactly. Because he doesn't know what that might mean for him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as he's asking these questions or narr- narrating these questions in his mind... He's going through the movie collection. Like, yeah. he goes into the room. He goes back into Steve's room. Like, okay, Steve's gone. He already said I could see Hellraiser. So, yeah, he starts to look through, like, I think he starts rifling through some shit. Like, I think he finds the bong and all that stuff Mm -hmm. in there. And then he does. He's, like, on his bed, on Steve's bed, and he looks over at the shelf. And he's got, like, a row of VHS uh, tapes. And uh, I even started looking at, like I said, another thing. I started looking through some of those films. I I didn't make note of any of these. I noticed that there were some cool ones. Uh, the, I mean, the big note is he finds headless. Oh yeah, but did, yeah. if you wrote down any of the others, you know, I I didn't. I wish I would have. I I think I may. I I know I did some uh, some internet movie database searches. I know I did mm-hmm. just to see if they were real films. I was like, oh, they sure they sure are. I even read some reviews on them, and people were like, these are so cheesy, but they're great. <laughs> you nice. know, it's like those like they're you know they're cheesy, but they're great. Yeah, uh, I, I remember noticing that there were some cool ones and ones yeah, that man. I had at least heard of before. But I think one that stood I, I out to me to make notes of was a one called Screamers, but okay. I think that was a subtitle of the of the the movie title. Gotcha. Um, it was just like said little stuff like that. But anywho, he does. You're right. He finds the copy of Headless, which and, was obviously stolen. Oh yeah, he already knows that it's stolen, and he knows that Steve stole it because here's the copy of it. You know? And in with it is a note with yep. times on it. Yeah, there's there's like a yeah right like a little piece of paper that has times written out of certain scenes, and if I was thinking okay this is a horror movie 
maybe this is the time of death scenes, mm-hmm. you know, possible death scenes. And I'm also wondering, is inspiration? Is he taping over it? Oh, another good point. Yeah, it's a good point too. This is my first time through. I was like, is he taping over it? Yeah. Well, like I said, you you have a you have a different perspective first time through. So that's that's a good question, man. Um, yeah, so we already see this. Like, we see Steve... Is he making his own horror movie? Steve could be, man. Like I said, he's got the film. Why did he steal the film, and why has he got notes? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a great question. And you're right. Like, so, I, I did kind of think, though, that if that was the case, they would have they would have shown to see if, if it was writable or not. Yeah. I think on the VHS... Um, Typically, you can you can take the tab off mm-hmm. and then put like a piece of tape over back over it. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that you should, but I'm just saying I, I, that, might, I might have that might have happened a few times. It might have happened. It might have happened. Statutes Look, it doesn't need to happen anymore. We we got other ways to take bootleg VHS anyway. VHS tapes. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think right after right after we like so we see that Marty finds the tape and finds the notes. Um, then I think if we see Marty and David, now David's in the home, right and. They're working on uh, their comic, their graphic novel, and they're oh, they watching the that movie going. going. And it's like, you know, like I said, it's a low-grade, low-budget film. This chick And, and Marty's kind of just... He's not really even he's watching it. He's zoning out. He's not yeah. paying attention. He's no, just... David's more into the film, more so than drawing the comic. I missed the boobs. Yeah, I thought that was funny. He's like, the whole point, he's like, oh, he's like, you can tell he's done this before, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right, he, he calls out Marty for missing the boobs. And I, I had to stop for a moment, because it's like, you know what? I've been there. Yep, been there. I've been there. I got a little Dude. brother. He's not little anymore, but he's my brother. And I remember a time growing up where I would try to stay up for those moments. And my brother would try fall to asleep. Catch the boobs. Yeah. Like, you know, you're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. I, I, I was, for me, it was sleepovers like this. Like, Dude. When you take, get like that month of free HBO yeah. this or is, something. We're talking like pre-internet before internet we even know what the hell the internet was or or it would take you 15 minutes to load a, a picture yeah exactly and even back then it was like you know what we just we just need to find the stash i understand i understand so you know so I, we're there so I'm, yeah so I, you know brought me back i was like i've been the there feels. i know what david i was like david you brought back the feel. yeah so anyhow you're right he calls him out on the boobs um, which VHS <laughs> boobs? This has to be mid nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, dude, no doubt. Because you you can definitely tell by the film itself. Like it's so low grade. It's funny though. I thought it was funny, but I, I think Marty asks, you know, what happened at school, and, and David starts to tell him about Marcus, you know, and, and that other little kid. Um, I guess telling everybody at the school that you know, like that he has a small dick. He not only does he have a small dick, but he, but he tried, he tried to, to kiss, kiss Marcus, Marcus on the lips <laughs> in the bathroom. You're like, what? The whole school knows now, you know. And he's like, that's kind of fucked up, you know. Who wouldn't think that, man? But they also notes that Marcus wasn't at school. Yeah, he does make and note of like, that. Oh, yeah. He's like, you know, and like, we know what's going on. Fucking brother headed out that night. Then no Marcus. Marcus exactly. Is dead. I even think right then Marcus and there, is also black. Marcus well, is dead. Exactly. Uh, there's a reason why he asked Marty his last name, or you know, who Marcus was. Uh, there's a reason why Marcus is missing from school. There's a reason why we had just seen Steve leave the night before. Um, so yeah, so so you know, there's. I even think Marty's like piecing it quick. Like he, I think he already knows. Like this is not mm-hmm. good. So anyhow, you know, they're well, this is. About I mean, before film. he was kind of just intent on drawing. Yeah, this yeah. is when he start start more more starts to like zone out because he's like, yep. shit, like. 
he wouldn't have known who Mark, which Marcus. Like it's no, kind of no. on me. It's not on me, but it's kind of on me. Like yeah, he did and call Marcus like, out. And my brother's a killer. Like, and I know it. He might and, know that I know it. And like you said, there, there's already these these uh, racial tones going on with his his behavior and his attitude towards mm-hmm. you know. And God, uh, the kids do such a good job. Yeah. Like, really, as this movie goes on, too, they only do better and better. I, I agree with you, man. Like I said, uh, they have really strong moments, and they, they did a really damn good job, the kids in the film. you you got to give them a lot of credit, and I'm glad that you did, man. It's really cool. Uh, but that movie ends. Yeah, it does. And then um, Marty tells David, hey, i got another film we can watch. Uh, Steve stole it. We got Headless. Yeah. And he's like, what? He stole it? That's cool. You know, he like yeah. makes note of like, and it's oh, unrated, really cool. and they they were yeah, like, it's oh unrated. my god, like that's the craziest shit ever. But look, I saw the movies these kids were looking at. Yeah, the posters that are up on the walls, yep. like the ones that were at the video store that their parents were having them, letting them have free reign with. Like these kids have seen unrated movies before; they had to have. Like, yeah, it was really weird that to me, they, it, made it was it, really they did weird make a big thing. deal out of it. Yeah, <laughs> it was really cool. I, I can understand. It. I like, understand. They're, they're probably... I understand the excitement in general, but yeah. it was they made a kind of a big deal out of it to the point where, like, I was like, "That's kind of weird," because these motherfuckers <laughs> have seen unrated movies before. You I... know they have, man. Come on. Uh, but yeah, like I said, maybe that that pays a little ode back to like, oh, maybe just that feeling of being that young and getting to see that. <laughs> yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Let's like, just try to give you that feeling of it. But you're right. <laughs> they make they make a big deal of it being unrated. So they pop in headless. Yeah. Like literally, they 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 find the film, put in headless, and uh, this is w- the first scene that we see in in the movie itself. Is I think we see like a silhouette, maybe of a man, like maybe standing off in like a stack of I don't know, like who knows, some rubble or whatnot. And then we accuse like a woman; she's bound by ropes. Uh, she's got like ropes bound around her wrist. She's kind of well, tied and up. pretty quickly, and yeah. Marty kind of starts envisioning it, not on the screen, no, but no. there's kind of a. A close in and like it's real for him. Yeah, and it's you a can lot tell more real for you, him than it is for David. You know who he's thinking is under that mask. Yeah, exactly. This this is hitting a little bit more straight to home because he knows now that that not only does Steve own the film, he stole it, but he's starting to see maybe a little bit of a pattern possibly. And there was times marked, so he knows yeah. things are coming up that Steve marked for some reason. Yeah, like I said, so, maybe he already knows he's these he's already scenes. thinking yeah. Steve. He already, he's already, he already knows these. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, then, like I said, once we see that woman bound up, you know, she's screaming, all that stuff. Like any, any other movie that you would see in that scenario, she's screaming. Then we see this guy with like a, a skeleton mask on and this guy like, you know, deep, dark eyes and whatnot. And he kind of creeping up on her. Um, he has a machete in his hand. I think he starts to approach the woman with it. And uh, I think this mm-hmm. is... This is when David kind of starts making remarks. He's like, oh, gross. Yeah. And then he sees that. He's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, like I said, that's the one thing I liked about this kid. Like, he made little smart remarks, and some of them were kind of, you know, a little bit funny. But uh, no. He, Marty's he, feeling pretty queasy about it. Yeah, Marty, like I said, I started noting that Marty seemed a little disturbed by some of these scenes. And, uh, and that's when David kind of chimes back in. He's like, yeah, your brother's, he's like, your brother's really sick, man. Yeah. Um, but then he also starts to, you know, he starts, he starts like, to get in on him. Yeah. He's like, you know, that head, he looks so fake, man. Then he looks over at Marty. He's like, are you okay? You know? And Marty's, he's like, man, this is gross. And then he, this is another little, like, little thing that he says to him. He kind of like starts picking on him. He's like, he does. You, you big pussy. He's like, maybe you should stick to PG-13 movie or horror movies. 
Yeah. Fucking well, David turns into a little cock. Like this is this he is does, the first man. really turning point. Yeah, like, like because he doesn't understand what Marty's going through. Marty is seeing this from a whole different perspective than what David's viewing. David's just viewing it because it's a you know unrated film has no has no bearing to him other than it's just a horror movie. While you know Marty's envisioning his possibly his brother being inspired well, by some of this at, stuff. At some point during this, there does a voiceover does start, and he's wondering if this turned his brother into a killer. Yeah. He's like, well, I'm, you know, I watched the same movies, but I, I, I'd i be smarter than that. And, exactly. He does. And, he and all during that. this time, like on the screen, you have the, the killer killing the victim and what else? Like popped out the eyes and ate him. Yeah, you do. You see like this another woman on a, like said, That's another right. little, little, I don't know, like operating bed or whatever, a little, you know, like a little bed of, of what sort. Jumps up on top of it, starts to tease her with the blade, you know, uh, has the mask on still. And, you know, as the boys are watching it, the two boys, Marty's still disturbed, you know. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, I think the guy whacks that, you know, the woman's head off, you know. And like I said, David, the whole time is just kind of making little comments. And the know? and the, the effects on that are kind of in between. Like, this is one where they actually kind of show you a little bit of stuff. Yeah. Later on, the, wor- the, the worst stuff they don't show you, as we mentioned before. But yep. uh, this this time, they show you a little bit here and there, and it's... You're right, man. It looks good, Yeah, like I said, but this, it's this on part, the bottom end of good. Yeah. When when I start thinking about, like, some, like the, the, the movie they watched right before Headless, like, compared to that movie, is, like, tenfold better. Yeah. Uh, Headless is... And here's a, here's a, another cool thing. I, I hope I uh, don't forget. I'm glad I didn't forget this. Is that headless? You know, it was supposed to be a, you know a movie inside of a movie, and uh, it was supposed to be based off like this found movie in the '70s. Even like in the title of it, when they first start watching it, has like 1978. So it was supposed to be like a, a found footage film. Is what the headless was supposed to be. Okay. But uh, it's actually a movie now. Like the guy who played. The the killer in Hell is Shane Beasley, the guy who's a part of the makeup team. He still plays that part, and they oh, actually wow. filmed this movie. So it's a real movie now, and it's like, it's from what I understand, it's really fucked up. Huh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they stuck right to what that whole film's about. And I even read some comments, and it's like, you know, if you want to watch a film, a slasher film with necrophilia, here you go. Well, I was about to say, because the headless killer. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Eats the. Pops out the eyes. Yeah, he starts to eyes, pop out the eyes. And then skull fucks the... He does. He, he even starts, like, Ugh, you know, doing all the grunting. And I think this is when, like I said, when Marty starts to ask the question, like, he starts to feel dirty for watching this because mm-hmm. he sees the integration that Steve's using for this, you know, from this film. Uh, he starts to wonder, you know, if, does he wear a mask? Um, is, does he use a machete to kill his victims? He wonders if if he even eats the eyes of the victims like that guy is plucking the eyeballs out. And and I even wrote like little side notes is like he does. He wears a gas mask. Um you see headless victim or eyeless victims. Oops. You know, that's like he is this movie is is a pure inspiration for what he later. For what goes he's on to copycatting do. this film is basically what Marty's starting to find out. And then he wonders, did this movie yeah, did this movie turn my brother into a killer? Will it make him want to kill people? Or, you know, will it make me want to kill people, too, is what he's asking himself. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's watching this film. If it happened to his brother, maybe this happens to me, too. Uh, but you're right. He stated that he's a lot smarter than that. He can't even defend himself, you know, from a bully, let alone driving a knife into somebody. Uh, he says, you know, ending their life. He, he can't. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you're right. Like so that's when I think the guy boom chops the head off in the film, and then he starts bathing himself in the blood. And, you know, it's like that's some really fucking good makeup, man. Right, that's which, a gnarly scene. Uh, and like you said, he starts bathing himself in the blood, which yeah. Uh, once again, foreshadowing for later. Exactly. But like I say, that's when we do see that necrophiliac where the guy, like, I guess he pops in, like, this bed of a truck, like an old pickup truck, whatever, and then he starts going to mm-hmm. head town with the, the corpse. And like I said, I think that's when he starts envisioning his brother throughout the film doing all those scenes. Yeah, well, I know uh, he takes off the mask and he sees it as his brother. Yeah, exactly. And then, mm-hmm. like I said, I think that was, like, the climax of that film. He takes off the mask. And then, uh, I think then, like, a cop shows up in the film and, you know, shoots the guy. Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, but then, it, then you know, as uh, as all that stuff's happening, David's still kind of chiming in. He's like, oh, man, weak. You know, he's, like, calling the film weak, like, this is bullshit. It's like, there wasn't even any plot. It was just fucking a cup and cut, cut like, exactly. like, three killings back to back to back or something like that. But I think, like I said, it, it kind of snapped Marty out of it a little bit, too, having David chime in. It's because, like, it's a slasher. It doesn't have to have a yeah. plot. Well, like I said, it goes from him seeing... Uh, Steve as the killer to him finally snapping back to and seeing the actual guy who was playing the killer getting killed on film. Right, that's right. Yeah, and that's like so that's when they get into a little squabble and, and then I think after he's like, you know, doing all that shit, he tells him that he's bored. This shit's fucking weak. That's what Dave is telling Marty. And he said and then he starts even like said this is where I think it, where it just everything starts to spiral at this point. He's like, Well maybe yeah. maybe it is true what Marcus and Levi said. Maybe it is right. Maybe you, you do, do have, have a little small dick. dick. Yeah. You crying? Yeah, he starts to like, Marty kind of turns, you know, because his fucking best friend's sitting there, fuck, you know, he's hitting him with fucking gut shots, man, you know? Um, and then, you know, as, like you're right, uh, Marty starts to sob, and then he's like, you know, are you crying? And then Marty kind of like, he's like, all right, fuck this. He's like, you want to see something really scary, you know? <laughs> is, then, is this the part where shit. he said that it's really hard being his friend and shit? Yeah, he, he does because I think he. It's so well, fucked up. This little dick. No, no, I think it's okay. Is that coming I think it's, up still? I think it's a little bit like okay. it's it's almost there. But you're right. He does he does mention that. Um, like so, once he, once Marty asks him, does he want to see something scary? He does. He puts that bowling bag on. Like almost immediately, cues back to them in the bedroom. Puts a bowling bag on it. Um, he tells David, you know that it's not the bag that's scary. He's like it's what's in the fucking bag that's scary. Mm-hmm. So they start to kind of like so they start to argue again. That's when Marty asks him. He's like, you know, why are you being so mean to me? And that's when he that's tells him. Right. He's like, you know, it's hard being your friend, man. He's like, every time you get picked on, I have to stick up for you. And then when you're not around, I get picked, picked on. on. You know. And so he's like, it's hard. You don't understand what it's like being being your friend. He's like, oh, what the fuck are you talking about, man? He's like, I get picked on all the fucking time. What are you talking about? So mm-hmm. he's like, uh. You know, and then when he tells him, he's like, oh, I don't want to be your fucking friend anymore. And I'm like, what a fucking dickhead. Yeah, like, he invites you over to work on your comic books. You get to see some movies. He's illustrating it all for you. Yeah, you got you got to see some tits. You got to see an unrated movie. The movie wasn't even all that bad. That guy's no. just being a little pretentious little cock. Yeah, he thought he was, I don't know, Siskel and Ebert or some shit of horror mm-hmm. films for an 11-year-old. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, and then he starts to rag on him. And then... Um, and then once he starts telling them that, he's like, you know... And it's his fault that it's so hard to be his friend. Well, you know, even here's... I wrote down a couple of, of lines he said because I thought it was like, man, this is fucked up. He says, I'm not like you, Marty. I'm not a fag. And then Marty looks at me and said, then open the fucking bag. Yeah. You know, Marty's like, open the fucking bag then. Uh, and he does. He picks it up, man. And, no, actually, I think Marty goes over and picks it up, man. Or, I, oh, no, David sees the headless eyes 
and he realizes he's like, is this a, is this a joke? You know, and he's like, that's Marcus, man. That's yeah, Marcus like, in hey. there. You know, he says, you know, if you tell anybody, Steve will kill you. You know, it's basically what he surmises as. He says, um, wow, shit, I feel sick. Yeah, he starts to feel squeamish, man. He's he made like, him fucking sick, man. But I think even like he he starts to antagonize uh, David a little bit. He picks up the head. And he's like, look at him, look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I said, he gets sick. He's like, you know, you tell anybody, Steve will kill you. Yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna get sick. And then he goes to the bathroom, starts to get sick. He goes in there and he's like, you know, be quiet, my mom. And I made special note that Marty fucked up. Oh, he and put fucked the bag it. Oh, in he his did. closet. That was like actually that's it, coming up too. You're right. He fucking did, man. He fucked up big time. When he's when he's talking to, you know, uh David because he's puking, mom comes out. And she's like, Go get his stuff. Yeah, that's right. She's like, you know, what's going on? He's like, We were watching a movie, he got sick. She's like, You're right. She's like, All right, we'll gather his stuff. Call his mother. He goes back in his bedroom, and, and then he starts. That's when he puts the fucking bowling bag yeah. back in his closet, not Steve's closet. And he, I think he gets, um, he gets David's book bag, puts like all the shit back in his book bag, and comes back out in the hallway. And when he does, he starts to hear heavy metal music coming from Steve's Jesus. bedroom. So he knows Steve's home, and he's really fucked now, because if Steve's home and he just put the fucking bowling bag in his closet. How, how's he gonna put that shit back in Steve's closet? He's fucked. Right. Yeah. So you know, anyhow, he like I said, he's got all the shit. Accused to him going. I think they're outside. Um, David's mom picked him up. You know, yeah, they're walking off, and he kind of looks back. You know, at at Marty. You know, you, like they like you can't unsee that shit, man. No, no, it's uh, fucked up at that point. Um, so yeah, like I said, after we see all that stuff, I think he goes back. Um, I think he goes back upstairs, man. If I'm not mistaken. And he's 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 already going to bed. Pretty sure that Steve knows. Yeah, exactly. He's that's kind I, of the little bit of a voice. I think we get a little bit of a voice. He does. Over he he does like another narration because that's what he does. He is he's back in his room. He states that Steve knows that Marty knows about his hobby. So so does David. But he like, still passes out pretty quick. Yeah. Well, but then we get a little <laughs> cut of Steve sneaking into his room. It's cool. Like I said, night. because yeah, you're right. Like so, right before he starts to do that when he's narrating, he's wondering like. You know, it shouldn't be him that's worried about being caught. It should be David. And that's right. Mm-hmm. That's why he nods off because, like, it's not a big deal. He says, it's, nobody's safe now that Steve knows. Yeah. You know, like, that was the big thing. You're right. And then, it, and they could, you're right. Um, a little bit later on, Steve walks into the bedroom, uh, you know, of Marty's. And he's kind of, like, walking around. He kind of inspects it a little bit. The lights are still on. Marty's nodded off. Um, one of the closet the lights, yeah, he, he rifles through that. He goes in the the one, and I'm like, oh, fucking, he got it. He does. He goes in there, he finds it. And he leaves a note to talk later. Oh, man. Could you imagine that? Like, the whole time he's sleeping, he finds it. He, he kind of looks at um, Marty, like, really disappointed. Like, really fucking disappointed in Marty. And, you know, Marty wakes up, and he hears scribbling from coming out from outside his door, and he hesitates. And when he hears... The footsteps go down the you know the stairs. He opens the door and he finds that note. And it mm-hmm. says, you know, we'll talk later. And Dad pops out. And he's like, "Are you right?" And, you know, he's like, "Oh, it's just my allergies." Yeah, you know, whatever. Yep. So you know, like I so said, there. And speaking of Dad, then we go to the movies with Dad. The very next scene. Yeah, we but do. Jesus, that's pantshittling terrifying. With yeah, from, from I, he he starts to yeah he starts to mention you know what what had happened between him and David. What happened the night? You know, it's like well we got an argument. And he he got sick and. 
yeah, he's like, he, we're no longer friends because, you know, he got, I, I, because I got, he gets bullied because I get bullied, you know, and then his dad even makes a remark about David. He's like, well, he was a piece of shit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, but damn. It didn't even sound like he was really paying that much attention. Yeah. He it's was like, up, oh, fucking man. whatever. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the movie, do you remember what the movie title was that went to go see? No. I, I wrote it down. They wrote down uh, Zombie Apocalypse. Nice. And, like, they weren't supposed to be watching horror movies because mom told them, you know, hey, I did make note that different? it was pretty much an empty theater. Yeah, I think they were the only two in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, but like I said, after, after Marty explains to his dad, you know, what happened with him and David, uh, you know, he's like, well, I got to use the bathroom. He's like, well, you know, it was about 10 minutes before the film starts, so all right. So Marty kind of sneaks off, goes into the bathroom, goes into a stall once again, you know, drops trowel, whatever, and mm-hmm. then you hear a, a set of footsteps kind of approaching him. <laughs> yeah, starts knocking on the bathroom stall door, and he's like, "Open the door!" And he's hey, like, "Steve." Well, you, you know, tell, well. he's like, it's, "I'm in here," and he's like, "Open yeah. the door, Marty." You know, he's like, "I'm using the bathroom." He's like, "Open the fucking door, Marty." You know. Hey. So anyhow, it, it's I think this scene was a really powerful scene because this is where. You find out that Steve knows, that Marty knows, and he's getting confronted about it. So, yeah, Marty really fucked up. So he starts to ask him, you know. Well, he just, I mean, uh, it's a little bit into the conversation, but he says, you really fucked up, kiddo. Yeah, he does, man. He asks him, you know, he's like, did you tell dad? And he's like, no. He's like, tell no. him what? And then he kind of like slaps him. He's like, don't fuck around, Marty. He's, he's like, like, I like, didn't no. tell dad. He's like, he's like, did you tell anybody else? He's like, no. And I think that's when he gets slapped. And then he's like, well, I, I told David. And yeah, he's David like, does. I told David that if if he told anybody that you kill him, right? He's like, yeah. And then, and then he's like, you really fucked up big time, kiddo. He's like, how long have you known? He starts asking him that, you know, how long has he known? And then you see an employee kind of walk in, kind of confronting him. He's like, uh, can I help you guys or some shit like that? What's going on? And he's like, mind your business or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's like, fuck off. Remember. Mind yeah. your own business. And the guy does. He fucks off. Mind his own business. Uh, and he looks back at Marty. He's like, you know, we'll talk later. Mm-hmm. And he kind of he runs off, and Marty goes over to the, I guess the Cinto, wash up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. kind of collect his his, his fucking bearings. And the boy comes back. And he's like, oh man, that guy was the asshole. So he's my brother. He's my brother. You're like, oh fuck, man. So yeah, he goes back down, sits it back down with his dad. His dad fucking chopping on popcorn, catching him back up. This is what's happening. They said there'd be zombies. They're zombies. Me. And he's you know? pretty much just detached from everything. Yeah, he's, he is, man. Like, he's like gone. very obviously so, and Dad's just like, whatever. Dad's movie. so oblivious. He's more into the movie than he is what's going on with Marty, who's sitting right next to him, being super distant. Yeah. Who's yeah, a kid that like, loves horror movies. Obviously, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it doesn't take a rocket appliances, <laughs> rocket scientists to figure this out. Like, something's wrong with this kid, man. Something's going on, you know. But anyhow, he is. He's just super acid-minded. He just tells him that like he's not feeling good. So they they eventually I mean they finish watching the movie. Yeah, get they, home. They they start driving back home and you know Marty just basically tells him you know I don't feel good. And he's like, well don't don't puke in the car. I'll I'll pull over if you need me to. And he kind of calls him out a second. Like, yeah, he's, no, like, no, he's like, don't worry, Dad. He's like, I'm not gonna puke in your car. He's like, I, I'm not worried about the car, Marty. You know, but essentially like that. And uh, so they they finally pull up to the driveway. Dad just gets out and just leaves Marty in the fucking car. He kind of looks back for a second. He knows something's not yeah. quite right, but he just walks yeah. off. And I got a show to watch. Marty has a bit of a cry for himself. In the, yeah, in he the does. Like, Mar- like, exactly. Dad walks off totally oblivious to what the hell's going on with, with him in general. He does. He has a little cry moment, you know, which I thought, like, it was a cool scene because, you know, they didn't overdo it. They, like, you knew that this was 
this is huge. And what's going on with Marty? Right. Well, and then like he comports himself, goes inside, gathers up all the shit at, that yeah. he was working on. He with even his looks buddy. at his dad, like when he goes inside, and his dad's is like on the recliner watching some old fucking comedy, yeah. ar- chucking it up. Doesn't even doesn't even acknowledge him. And you're right. He goes upstairs. Uh, he starts to get his his drawings. He goes into like a different room, gets uh, some lighter fluid. Goes downstairs, gets some uh, a box of matches. Like I said, he gets all his belongings. He goes outside, walks out through the back door into like a set of woods, uh, into the open field. And then it goes back. I think he's back at that railroad museum, but in a different part of it. Yeah, yeah, he's somewhere around it, though. I noticed the same thing. Yeah. And he lights the shit up. He does. He lights it up. And, you know, he's kind of he's kind of having like a, I don't know, man, like a coming of, of like a, a an age where something's happened. And now it's a transition to a different age, you know? Like, so, he's losing his friends. He's becoming something that, you know, he doesn't know what's going on right now. Or... He lights it up. It seems to be going pretty good. He goes and sits under, like, a rail car. Yeah, he's got a little secret himself up. And he kind of nods off. And he nods know? off. So, once again. Well, here's here's something cool, too, about that, that scene. Is like, you see it from a different point of view, though. You don't really see it from his point of view. You see him sneaking up underneath that rail cart from that, like, a little another building or another part of that complex. From the window, you can see it. Like, somebody's watching him do that. Right. Yeah. And then when he does nod off, you see uh, Steve walk up, and he's starting to call for Marty. So, also, once again, because all I kept hearing was the end of this movie, the end of this movie. Yeah. As soon as he nods off, I'm like, can I trust anything that happens from this point (laughs) forward? Yeah, you, you know that's it's a good point because it's uh, it's starting which to get I deep. can yes. yeah it, we're starting to get a little bit deeper into the film too at this point you know oh yeah we have maybe like twenty minutes left at this point yeah it, you know if that like so this is a big turning point but he starts a call for Marty you know he finally sees Marty like kind of Marty's trying to hide from him he, he just lays down flat on his tummy and that little like so that little spot he's in and he's like Marty I can see you you know come out and then when Marty then he, gets he up he runs, runs off. off. And then they have like a little chase scene through that complex, essentially, is what they're doing. They have a little chase scene. It looks like, it kind of looked like part of it was through part we had already seen, maybe. Yeah, I think part of it was also through new. Yeah, because there was some fencing they were running through. Uh, And like the hanging shit. Yeah, exactly. So there was a couple of scenes we didn't see before, but I, I have the feeling that. I was like, oh, they even popped out of one of the the carts. Yeah, I know. It was like a classic chase scene, and I really liked it, too. Um, But then they start running up that hill, and then Marty finally stumbles over, and Steve kind of, you know, tackles him, whatever. And um, then that's when they start having this dialogue. This is a big turning point. Yeah. Huge turning point in the film. All right, whoa. Yeah, I kind of want to hear it from your point of view. So I'll give everybody a, a real quick speed. Marty... And Steve now are in this field after they had that little chase scene. And Steve's about to drop something on Marty. Huge. Something huge on Marty. So I don't even actually remember how they led into it. Whether Marty asked him why he's doing it. Well, or I'll whatnot. lead up to why, why. What he finally reveals to Marty. But Steve asked. He asked Marty, you know, um, if he's been telling anybody about what's happening. You know, have you told anybody? He's like, no. Only David and that. I told David that if you told that if he told anybody that you would kill him, he's like, it's not like that, you know. And then he's like, well, what's it like then? That's what Marty asked Steve, and then that's when Steve drops the truth bomb on him. Uh, which, uh, yeah. So <laughs> we find out. I mean, it's been this is what it's like getting hit at. Yeah, this is what it's, it's like getting hit at. I'm gonna, yeah. You can, you can, you can short term it. I'll help you out. He's like, hey. 
It's the N-words. Yeah, it's it's the black people. It's the, like I say, he doesn't say that, but he uses the derogative term. We have to, we all know what it is. They're um, in the government. They're in mom's church. They're in mom's church. They're taking they're over. They're taking over the mall. Yeah, the fucking oh, mall, dude. The mall. God. I didn't think of that. The fucking mall, man. Everybody hangs out there. No, he does. He goes on to this big, I, I put a big racist diatribe. Yeah. He talks about, he's like, you know, dad's right. He even drops that, like, dad's right. So he takes a little bit of what dad says to heart. And we've already heard dad use that term several times when they were talking about Marcus beating up, you know, or bullying Marty early on. So, he, yeah, he drops all that truth nugget on him. So how, I, when you heard that, what, did, what were you thinking at this I point? I was like, wow. So at this point I was wondering if he was going to sway Marty. Yeah, and know, that that was going to be part of the twist. That this was suddenly that's going to a good be point, two brothers going on a a racist, a racial yeah. killing spree. But no, he uh, because he even asked Marty, or he he as a part of that like his. his but then, whole well, speech, that's the thing. Well, Marty Marty says something. I him, can't remember what. No, it is. he asked Marty. He's like, "Well, you should feel that way more than any of us because of Marcus." And he's like, "Well, that was only that was Marcus. Just him. That was just him." He's like, but, you know, then he starts to, like, he tries to, I don't know, like you said, kind of sway him. Like, you know, no, this is, this happens all the time. You know what I mean? And um, once he starts, you know, trying to confront him about that, um, he confirms, you know, Steve starts to tell him, he's like, well, you know, if, if, any, if David tells anybody about me, I'll kill him. And mm-hmm. then Marty's like, well, what about me? And, you know, I guess I David like, kind of... never hurt you. Or not David, but yeah, Steve stands up. He walks over. He kind of, he picks him up and he's like, I, I can never hurt you. He's like, you're my brother, you know? Yeah. And uh, they have a moment. That, and he does say thank you for killing Marcus. Yeah, they have a moment. They have a, a brotherly hug. And I like the scene too because, you know, when they embrace in the backdrop, you kind of see the sun almost setting and it's the rays are coming through those trees. Mm-hmm. Sort of illuminates them a little bit. Like, oh, that's, this is like a, a huge turning point in the film. I felt like he kind he trusts Steve, but he's not Steve. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's still his brother, but it's not his brother that he knows. Well, yeah, and Steve's like, oh, anything for my little brother. Yeah, you know, he sticks up for him. You're right. He's like, thank you for killing Marcus. You know, he, you're right. <laughs> um, and then he says like, anything for my little brother. And then they say, it, scene ends like I said with them embracing. And I even wrote down, I was like, that was a pretty cool shot, man. It was, it was a really cool shot for that scene. And I think the director used the, the lighting just at that right time for that scene. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the, the, sort great, of, the sort of weird little memorial service for Marcus. Uh, so it didn't look yeah. like it was like the official... It's not like the official funeral, but it reminded me of something that... Like, it, it seems like it happens a lot. Like, yeah. if a child dies in a community, a lot of the times, like, the, the local church or, like, the local a small school or something might yeah. put together something for the kids yeah, to sort of help them sort of cope. cope a little bit yeah. and, and and give that support there because they just lost one of their friends. And, you know? <laughs> and, and they're the most vulnerable of us, really. This, and, this this whole this whole scene right here, I, I'm like, man, you know, watching it a couple of times, like this this is this is actually one of my favorite scenes because this is a huge turning point in the film as well. This is in super intense, man. It's really intense. Uh, so, uh, like, so, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of delve into it because, like, I got some crazy stupid notes, but uh, the whole point of this scene, like I said, is is Marty um, after he has that that you know hug out with his brother. His mom starts calling for him. Hey, we're going to be late. He gets in the car. Like I said, they they show up at that little in the park congregation 
little small sermon, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom walks by the preacher, shakes his hand, you know, as a greeting. And Marty just kind of has his hands in his pocket. And the preacher's like, hey, Marty, how are you doing? And Marty's like, oh, I'm good, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of fuck off. He has that kind of attitude. But then he starts to narrate as that's happening. He's like, he doesn't, I don't believe in God anymore. He's like, how, how can one of his children be treated this way? He says, I'm, I'm always good. You know what I mean? He starts to question that. Marty yeah. starts to. He's like, how can a God treat one of his own that doesn't do any harm, doesn't do any bad, doesn't, you know. I'm the only one that seems to ever get punished. Yeah, like, exactly. So Marty feels a certain way. You know what I mean? So anyhow, like I said, they're, they're in this, like, little, I don't know, uh, underneath this, like, um, like little, a gazebo kind of structure. I don't know what you yeah, call it. Yeah, just like well, a... I don't know. Just like a meeting hut. outdoor... <laughs> Like cover for yeah, like you would see it at almost any park, you know. Yeah, just one of those ones that it's just big enough to have like a picnic table underneath. Yeah, exactly. And keep the keep the elements off. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, like so, the preacher's going on, and the whole time Marty's kind of flicking. I think there's like a like a spoon or a fork. He just kind of tapping it, not even paying a fucking attention. His mom's listening. He gets to a point where she finally like stops him. She puts her hand on his hand and stop him. He gets up. And she's like, "What? Where are you going?" He's like, "I got to use the bathroom." So he walks off, he starts going to the bathroom in the woods. I get, well, not really go to the bathroom, but he just kind of fucks off. Yeah, he's just like, fucking, I don't he, want to be here. The, the tree that he found was a really cool tree because it had all these odd branches that were just, they didn't naturally grow because of the way the sunlight was hitting it. It's mm-hmm. just branches in all directions. He kind of props up and leans in it, and he's kind of staring up at these pine tree needles and then sun coming through the, you know, the needles. And right and before that, his thing. there was a little kid, too, that had noticed that he had walked off. And that kid shows up and starts to fuck with Marty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and he starts to bully him, too. Ah, this little Once fucking again, kid, starts to man. call him faggot. Yeah, I was like, man, this little fucking kid. He's like, I heard about what happened at school. Um, you know, he's like, I think he talked about him being like a little homo, a little faggot, you know, a little <laughs> faggot boy. You know, it's like, what the fuck is this little kid talking about, man? You know what I mean? It, it, you know, he said, it's true, isn't it? It's true. You know, basically like, trying to get him to confess. And Marty just, he doesn't say anything. He gets up to walk away and the kid trips him up. And uh, he's like, you fucking homo, watch your step. And um, the kid starts to ask him, he's like, you know, Marty, d- does the uh, does a preacher know what you are? Does your mom even know what you are? That's right. You know, and he, he looks at him and like this little fucking kid. He pushes him, and he's like, little faggot, little and that's, fucking faggot pussy boy. And that's one other little thing, <laughs> oh like, God. like this kid was going Marty, him, Marty isn't gay. He's not, man, not at all. But that, sort of that little point that teasing, of, yeah. well, no, the point of his mother not knowing something doesn't apply to him, Mm-mm. but it does apply to his brother. Yeah, oh, yeah, big time. And then, so, I mean, I can't, I can't exactly. help but think that that's something else that must have went through Marty's mind. Well, like, yeah. Exactly. Especially because he kind he, he calls her out kind of for that later he, on. He certainly does, man. Big time. Like, he, like I said, I think this right here is and where I have a feeling that that's that, part of. This, I think this was like the, um, the, the tip of the wave about the crash, like the crescendo of the wave. It's about the tip because as that kid starts to call him, you know, a little pussy boy. He, he turns and starts to walk off from Marty like, oh, I got one up on you. And just then, Marty gets up and fucking smashes Wham. that kid against the tree. I was like, yes! Fucking yeah, yes, Marty. You know, because I was like, this is this is a point where he's been getting dogged out from everybody. Just like, he's been getting shit the whole time since this film has been started. And he finally got somebody back. Because this kid, uh, 
he didn't deserve what happened when that kid did to him. You no. know what I mean? So anyhow, uh, it kind of cues back to like uh, Marty's mom. She's listening to the preacher do his thing, you know, whatever he's talking about. And you see like little, she's crying a little bit, little tear mark. And then you hear that kid scream. He's like, ah, Yeah, ah, and everybody ah. goes running to help. They have to yeah. pull Marty off. Marty's beating the Marty shit. Marty is out fucking of the dog. Kid. He's beating the shit out. He's beating the brakes off this kid, is what I like to say. He's beating the brakes off of him. And um, that little kid's mom, like, she wraps up. Uh, that kid that Bar- Marty's been beating the shit out of, mm-hmm. and she uh, she's like, she what did she say? She says something like, um, uh, she's like, well, how can you do this? And then she looks up at, at uh, Marty's mom, like, can't you control your son? Yeah, you know? like what the fuck? Get out of here! And it like it's, it's really kind of schlocky, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, the adults are all the worst part in this movie. That's what I'm getting at. It's like the kids did a really good job, but even with their their lines. Because the parents didn't have a lot of lines in the film. And they even when they did, it was like, oh, mm. shit. Uh, but the kids, they held their own, man. I thought it was really cool. So, <laughs> and like I said, as that woman, it, it, uh, that little kid's mom is you know, basically confronting Marty and his mom for, for him beating the shit out of her son and the fact that his mom can't control him, which, like I said, pays a, a, a nod back to the fact she don't even know what the fuck Steve's up to. No. Um so after all that little scuffles going on, they separate. I think the preacher is alone with Marty, and he's, he's asking Marty a all this, about yeah. it, what all happened. Exactly, what happened, Marty? You know, he's like, I need to know what happened. You know, and he's like, he he basically surmises like he he's been picking on me, you know, and I beat him like, up. Look, this shit is always going on. Like yeah. I've tried to call attention to it, and nothing happened. He's like, he so says, I stopped trying to do that. Exactly. So he says, well, you need to tell the parent. His his whole thing was like. Anytime you get bullied on, you need to tell a parent. You need to tell an authority figure. And he's like, well, I've tried doing that, and nobody listens, and it keeps happening. He's like, he's like, well, I need to know that if this well, happens this is again. never right. He's like, Yeah, well, you they... can't solve it with violence. Two wrongs don't make a right. All this other horse caca. And he's like, look, like. <laughs> I thought this was awesome, he, man. He, he keeps doing it. He keeps, like, he gets to do it. Yep, and nothing happens to him. Yeah, exactly, man. The and one time, even... the one time I do something, I'm getting in trouble. Everybody has a fucking like a panic attack, basically when he does something. I've been trying to do it the right way, exactly. and you guys don't. And listen. he says exactly, and so and Marty makes great points throughout because he's like, look, I've tried it your way, and I keep getting beat up, and nobody does anything about it. Even when they do, it's like a, like I said, a light slap on the wrist, like it never happened in the first place. Um, so the, what the preacher Which, tries to get out once of again, him, like earlier, Marcus was never going to get in trouble no, for man. bullying him. He even I think his dad he even, got in trouble because like, he flipped off the teacher. That's the only reason why he got in trouble. And he got like a couple of what, a couple of days or weeks in detention. Pfft, big deal. But the preacher eventually comes to the point where he's like, you know, I need to know that if this ever happens again, that you'll come get an adult. You know, he's like, I can't promise you that. Yeah, he's like, like he's like, if it happens again, I'm gonna beat him up again. And yeah, I, was I was like, I was like, yes, Marty. Yeah. The whole time Marty was saying is like, Marty's dropping some truth. It's like, you know, I'm well, getting tired of this shit. If it happens again, I'm gonna fuck this kid up again. You know, he's like, that's not what I wanted to hear, Marty. And then he tries to give him that guilt trip. You know, he's like, I can't believe. He's like, I, it's so sad to see somebody with so much anger, so young, and all this stuff. And it's like, well. God damn it, it, maybe it wouldn't have had to come to this, really. Yeah, man. And so, you know, after... And really, this is... So, this is the scene 
that I meant like well yeah. starting with their confrontation and the kids like from here do on you know out what happens right after the preacher and, and Marty have that conversation well I do want to say from here on yeah. out is what I consider the end where oh, it's yeah. all golden like oh, everybody's man. performance at this no, no, point I, I, I feel like like from, from the scene where he starts to beat that kid up all the way to the end is like man this is great mm-hmm. so from like so for me I think this is the best part of the film like the, these series of events are uh, the best parts of the film and this is also where it really started to just like like all the notes from this next section on yeah. are very compressed for me because i was just so pulled in because no, I understand. like i growing up i was a bullied kid yeah. like all these arguments hit home like i was oh, like yeah. god damn it like i know how this feels like i never snapped and fucking oh exactly beat the shit out of somebody just but because there yeah. was times where like I would come up with a far more clever way of fucking calling a name yeah, back, exactly. and I'd somehow get in trouble for it, and nothing else would ever fucking happen. Been like, there, done that. Yeah, I know exactly. I think there's there's a lot of of what this story has to say that a lot of people can relate to in terms of how you were treated during maybe certain situations where you didn't feel fair about it. You know, it happens all throughout history. I mean, not not history, but in, well, history, but in society. Through all age groups. Oh, definitely. And all, and, and it, it doesn't have a barrier. There's no, there's and no. It doesn't discriminate. And it's even further exemplified with what happens next, because then they're made to say sorry to each other. This is great, man. And you know, like this is another part where that mom, she's not really great actress. Parents out there, it's not really sorry if you have to tell yeah. both of them. She drags her son over to Marty, and if you, you know, have to tell both of them to say it like you mean it, maybe just like wait a couple days on it. Talk, yeah, exactly. Because you're your not gonna, more, you're not gonna say it like get to you the mean bottom it of it right after it happened. It ain't gonna happen with kids. Um, so, so this is this is what I wrote down. It's that um, that kid's mom. Um, she comes over and she has like so that little, that kid who the kid's name is Trevor. We find out in a little bit. So that's right. The the kid's name is Trevor. His mom comes over with him and she's like apologizing. Like I'm sorry. She's like no, say it like you mean it. And he's like uh, I'm sorry, Marty. You mm-hmm. know. And she's like no. What do you have to say, Marty? And he's like, if you hit me again, I'll beat you up again. <laughs> you know, it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, he's, no, he says, do it again and I'll beat you up again. And the mom looks at Marty and she's like fucking shocked. And she storms off over to Marty's mom where the mm-hmm. preacher and, and her are talking. And you hear them like, blah, 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 blah. And Marty's kind of looking over. And uh, <laughs> she comes over and she's like, I can't believe you said that you'd hit him again after he, you know, apologized. She's like, she kind of snatches him up. She's like, forces him over. Yeah. She's like, no, apologize to him, you know, and he's narrating at this point. Um, He's narrating that he's tired of people always winning and him always losing. He says, from now on, he's going to make sure he always wins. And he's, you know, he's looking at that kid, Trevor, the whole time. And as he's saying that, you know, he says, looking at, Trevor's face makes me feel proud. Proud, yeah, I yeah. wrote that. He says, "Saying um, sticking up for myself isn't as bad as what Steve does, but it, it's good enough for me." That's what he says. He's like, "He's you know, proud to see something that showed that he yeah. stood up for himself." Yeah, he says, "I might not do it the way that Steve does because his way of sticking up for himself is totally different." He says, "But the way that he does makes him feel good. It makes him feel proud that he stood stood up for himself." I'm like, "Fucking a man!" Yeah. He stood up for himself, and he's not going to take shit from any fucking adult either, yeah. right? And then he looks at the kid. Did you write down what he says to the kid? No, I missed it. <laughs> oh, this is another one of those. I missed it. This is lines. I was like, man, I'm glad that he said this shit. So as after he narrates all that stuff in his mind, you know, like you know, I'm tired of all this shit. I'm going to start winning from now on. He looks at the kid. He's like, I hope you go to hell. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh my god, that's I right. Like, yes, 
right? And then, like, they're everybody's shocked, but Marty's like, "Fuck that, you know, <laughs> fuck that shit, man." And so he's like, sit, "It goes to him sitting in the car by himself, as you know, his mom is talking to the rest, you know, the mm-hmm. parent and Trevor and the preacher and all that shit." And then she gets back inside of the car and she's like, "I've never been so embarrassed in my life and all that shit." And then um, she starts saying stuff. She's like, "You know, you didn't have to do what you did, Marty. You know, pick, kids get picked on all the time." It happens. I'm sorry, but it happens. You know, and I think he started to snap a little bit, like, at his mom. He's like, fuck that, mom. He's like, you don't even know what's going on in your own house. Yeah, he's like, you don't know. Do you even know how to be a mom? She's like, you've already messed up Steve. He says, now you're trying to, now you're messing up me. And she slaps him. Mm -hmm. And she's like, how dare you? How how dare you? (laughs) You know, shit like that. And he kind of turns. Like, he turns out after he gets slapped, he starts looking out the side of the window. And he's like, he starts to narrate, uh, narrate. Again, and I, I, I try to write these down because I thought they were very poignant. Uh, but he says, she's just like the rest of them, but she won't win this time. She won't see me cry. Yeah. You know? And then they pull up uh, back at the driveway, and you see, already see Dad in the garage, like, as the garage door's opening up. And so, <laughs> you see, I, I like, as as a kid, this is a part where, like, I felt like Marty might have been a little too hasty getting out of that car. Um, but Mom gets out of the car and then Marty just like he gets out of the car and whatever fucking big deal. Yeah. And then Dad's like, um, he's like, I just got, off, I just got off the phone with Trevor's mom and dad. And Dad's parents. sitting there waiting. He's like, yeah. He's like, he told me that you beat him up. What happened? You know? He's like, no. He says something like, uh, you're in deep shit. You know? Yeah. And dad so, goes full dickhole mode. He does, man. He goes fucking caveman on him. Basically, is what he does. Yeah. You know. Basically, he starts to slap Marty around. Is what he's what he's doing. How's it fucking feel? Yeah, exactly. How's it feel? Get picked on. How's it feel? Get bullied. Blah blah blah. And Marty kind of backs off a little bit, and he's like, "I'm tired of you know always getting hit and beat on." He's like, "I'll you know." He's basically saying, "When I stick up for myself, now I'm in trouble." He's like, "You guys are assholes," (laughs) you know. And then he the dad comes back over and slaps him again. And when he does, Steve pops in. Steve pops out. He's like, "You need to leave Marty alone." He's, and then his dad, his dad's very stiff, but I like what he says. He's like, I remember asking you a goddamn thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and So, uh, dad... Oh, man. Dad might... Dad hasn't ramped it to gold yet. No, 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 dad no. Dad does yet. good when you only hear his voice, which is Holy coming up uh, kind of shortly. He hasn't ramped it up to gold yet. He is no, still no. kind of bad in this scene. Yeah, yeah. I just like I like that whole like I like that was that's totally a dad thing to say. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Yeah. Even <laughs> even dad ramps it up to gold though. We'll get he does. there. He does. Um, and so you know, like I say, then dad starts to confront Steve, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and Steve's already telling me like Marty's been through enough already. You know, he's like you need to leave him alone. And then uh, like I said, dad starts you know whatever starts to rough him up. Um, and I think he tells dad, you know, hey, dad, if, if if you ever do anything to Marty or something like that, he's like, you know, it's going to be worse. And then dad, yeah. then he starts to fucking wail on dad. Like, he starts to beat the shit out of dad because yeah. dad goes at him. And he he hits dad. Dad gets down to the ground. And I think he starts to beat on him. And mom's like, she starts to scream. He's like, ah, or, you know, or whatever the fucking dad's name is. She tries to jump on top of, of uh, Steve. And he pushes her off. He does. He pushes her back. face down in some boxes, and she's like, starts to quiver, and then it shoots back to dad. He's like, "Oh, get out! You get out!" You know, and uh, whatever. And then that's when he tells him, he's like, you know, he's like, "If you touch Marty, he's like, next time would be much worse." Yeah. You know, he sounds like like it'll be the last time you ever touch him or some shit to that effect. You know what I mean? 
And so Marty or uh, Steve starts to walk off, right? He he's walking mm-hmm. off from the driveway, and Marty's kind of looking out as the he garage almost doors. follows him. He does. He kind of looks. I thought he was going to follow. Well, him. I thought that was going to be neat. I even I, I think what happens they they share an exchange like they they look at each other and they have a silent like mm-hmm. understanding of what's happening as he's leaving, and as that garage doors look you know, like closing, he's kind of standing where the garage door is coming down, and, and his mom's like Marty, you know Marty. It's wild, man. So as that's as that's happening, um, I think he got, he's back in his room like after that scene. He, accused to marty back laying down in his bed and he he has that another narration he's like my life is starting to feel like a horror movie Mm -hmm. but who's the monster he said is it dad is it steve is it me you know i was like oh no so here's where i wrote down this is this is this is the climax i'm just gonna ahead and, and say this is the climax of the film right after this scene um so i'll if you want we we can delve right into it yeah so steve shows up yeah, well, he's in Marty's, the backyard. Marty's he's listening to that radio broadcast. Yeah, it's like I even wrote down it's, it's twelve thirty two on the radio. Uh, they're having that little conversation, like that little Sasquatch shit, and this woman's like, "This is the worst show ever." Can't believe you're talking blah blah blah. But you're right. Uh, you hear you hear Steve like start, or you hear Pebble like this little knocking from the window. Yeah, and Marty goes to the window and you see Steve throwing little pebbles up and he motions to Marty to come outside to meet him outside. And Marty goes down the stairs, opens up the back door. Um, he's like out on the porch and you see the light has like a, like, I guess like a floodlight, whatever. And, uh, Marty's out there with, well, Steve's out there and they start to have an exchange. And there's a brief little bit of like, where are you even staying? And yeah, he's like, like that. He's, he's like, like, don't, don't worry, worry about, about me. Uh, I can find a motel, you know, uh, has mom and dad, what happened, what happened after he left is what he's asking. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, all I got was, you know, uh, I went to bed without, bed without supper. no supper. He's like, oh, that's not that bad. Um, so anyhow, uh, after he they have that exchange, uh, like, oh. he he, he kind of just he you, just goes you know what's about to happen. He just goes he, starts... he just goes ahead and says he's like, uh, this is what Steve's saying to Marty. He's like, I-, I need to borrow your bed tonight, and he's like, he's like, I need you to stay in my room, and he's like, well, he's like, why? He's like, you know, it's, it's a school night. He's like, you know, well, Marty's he's making all these excuses why he needs to stay in his room and not Steve's room. Like your bed's stronger. I'm going to need your. He's bed like, no, I've already tested them. He's like, I've jumped on both beds. He's like, yours is strong. He's like, well, yours is yours is a uh, uh, you know a more up to date model, you know. And he's like, well, well, why, why, you know? He's like, I don't want to spend. He's basically saying, I don't want to spend the fucking night in your room, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And uh, you it's know, like, no, just. <sighs> It's like, look, I'm going to change it all for the better for both of us. Everything's yeah, going to change. Exactly. Like I said, I, I wrote down that Steve pleads with Marty. He's like, look, he's like, something's going to happen. It's not, it, this will change everything. He's like, I need you to stay out of the way. I don't want to hurt you. You know, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Marty, Marty <sighs> figures it out. Yeah, he's like, are you going to hurt mom and dad? Are you going to kill them? And he's like, look, Marty, he's like, our parents hate us. He says, I need to do this. You know, I need to kill our, you know, well, he pleads. He's basically pleading at this point not to kill their parents. Like, don't do this, you know, and all this other stuff. And then he, he makes a mistake. Marty makes big old mistake. Uh, he starts comparing uh, his brother. He's like, you know, if you were a brother, you wouldn't do this to me. He's like, you're just like the bully, you're just like Marcus, and you know, all. He's like, you're even just like Dad. He's like, he starts comparing them. Like, you, if you were my brother, you wouldn't even be tempting me with any of this shit that you're proposing at this point. Yeah, like, and, the, and then, and this is where I wrote. He like, he really fucked up. He's like, I'll call the police. He said, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, he said, like, you wouldn't do that. He's like, he's like, they'll lock you up forever, you know, or some mm-hmm. shit like that. And um, 
Man, I was like, oh man, this shit's fucked up. But then the, their <laughs> argument never fully comes to fruition because this is no. when dad comes well, he, out. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, Steve is telling him, like, don't even joke like that. He's like, he even tells him at that point, he gets frustrated. And he's like, I'll fucking gut you about the police. He's like, I'll fucking gut you. And that's when dad comes out. And dad, you know, starts to confront both the guys. He's like, what are you doing out here? You ain't about to be out here. No, I did make a note. You ain't about to be out here. That his, I can't remember exactly what he says. He has like three lines right He doesn't have very many lines. Out. He has, but he has someone he's doing out there. Yeah. As he comes out is dubbed in. And he's saying something else because his lips don't match up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's mostly right. in the dark. Yeah, absolutely I'm wondering right. what he was actually saying. I, I, some of the stuff that I caught that he was saying with him is like, you know, he was asking um, Steve what he was doing out there and the fact that he didn't even supposed to be there. And then Steve was like, well, Marty's just helping his big brother. You know, he's like, he's helping his big brother out. And, you know, that's when dad, mm-hmm. dad's like, you ain't even supposed to be out here. What are you doing out here? You know, and stuff like that. And then... um Anyway, he, Dad finally is like, well, fuck this shit. I'm calling the police. And as he starts to walk away... This one shit goes <sighs> off. So he gets the shovel to the back of the head. Yeah, Steve picks up that shovel that he's been toting around, whacks Dad in the back of the head, knocks Dad over, and Dad, Dad kind of looks up. Over, yeah. And he gets it kind of in the... It kind of looks like he gut shot him with it. Yeah, I think he did gut shot him with it because he's like he cowers, and then when he, he makes the whack, you don't see it. But then the next shot, you see Dad like having blood curdle out of his mouth, and he's kind of transfixed in spot for a bit. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, Dad you don't took... really see too much, but he's he's there. He's not yeah. having a good time. Dad got, Dad got fucked up, man. Like I said, Dad starts to bleed. That's when Mom kind of comes out, and she's like, I'm trying to think what she calls him. Um, she calls Dad by his name. I, I can't remember what the fuck yeah. the guy's name. Any not a big deal, but she calls out to him, and um, Steve starts to chase her. He chases her back in the house. And that's when Marty kind of walks over to his dad and just kind of like... And he's just kind of looking over he, him. Yeah, like, he's just kind of looking stunned, over him. Like, this is actually happening. And like, then, yeah. And then he says... Um, he, he looks over to, like, where uh, Steve is with his mom. And, and Steve's doing some fucked up shit with mom is what he's so, doing. So, yeah, Steve's grabbed mom. He's kind of, like, fondling her, her and shit. Slammed her against the wall, like, fondling her. Yeah, and he's kind of, like, having his way a little bit with mom. And, and as when as, he starts to yeah. so I'm sorry no I was gonna say as Marty is watching what Steve's doing right he sees I think he sees Steve finally headbutt mom and mom kind of she kind of goes out of it and then Steve's like licks the side of her fucking face yeah and then I think he like starts to go he for starts a to pull his dick out basically well, he starts to narrate again mm-hmm. about this this particular moment he says everything I used to love about my brother is gone he said this isn't Steve this is a stranger in his skin. And I have to stop him. And that's when he runs up and jumps on Steve's back. And they start to kind of tussle in that little hallway where the stairs are at. And as they're tussling, you know, he's got Marty, or Steve's got Marty on his back. And he kind of, like, leans back into that door, the main door, and knocks, I guess he knocks fucking Marty's back of his head into the door and knocks Marty out. And that's when we go back upstairs to the the shit That's actually, (laughs) I, uh... Fuck, man. I just wrote end sequence. Oh man, uh, I didn't even. Yeah, uh, like I said, they had that whole. That I wasn't whole wrestling. I, I know because Marty was trying to fuck. I mean, not Marty. Steve was trying to. He's trying to fill up mom, and he'd already seen all those scenes in that movie Headless. So he, he, it was already confirmed at this point that he was copycatting exactly what that movie was doing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and, and at this point, he was using his mom and dad as his next victims. And yeah, at this point, like I said, all I wrote was end sequence. I didn't. So this isn't I, going to be the first movie that this is going to happen in because I know some of the other movies we've yeah. talked about doing. 
uh, I mean, I know well enough what happened that I don't really need to commit that to the pages of any notebook. No, I, I know anybody. what you mean. I think I think I already have it fresh enough in my mind. But so what happens? Like so, right after we see um, Marty get knocked out, right? Is it, it cues back to Marty coming back too? And this time, he's got a, uh, a ball gag. In ball his gag mouth, in. And he's he's bound by ropes, uh, like across. The top of oh, like crosses like his sternum, his chest, and a part around his legs. Right? So he's bound. He's not going anywhere. Though. He's bound by ropes, tied down to. It's actually in Steve's room. I made note of that too because it's definitely Steve's room. Yeah. Um, and so he, like I said, he's he's tied down. He's got a, a ball gag in his mouth, and then you start to hear conversations coming from his room, and it's his mom, his dad, and Steve conversing back and forth, and it's not friendly exchanges. It's like blood curdling exchanges and screaming and you know yeah, steve is very obviously <sighs> raping mom in front of dad for a bit yeah it's that uh, whole scene is both before and after up. death possibly so so, so what look, I, at this point man. everyone gives their their voice performances are awesome they did a like great for job as right amazing here. for as as wooden as their acting yeah. is in the other parts they did like, better with this part <laughs> It was very hard to listen to. It was fucked up because you don't see any of it. You just know that that Marty is in that room, bound and up, and he hears hearing his. You just keep seeing his responses to yeah. what he's hearing. So he's squirming on that bed as he's hearing all that commotion coming from his room. So he, you know, he already knows like whatever's coming from him, his room is exactly what Steve planned out. And you're right. So you hear, um, and it kind of sounds like wherever shit. Dad's at at first, he can't actually see Mom. No, because he keeps like, "I'm coming, Mom. Yeah, I'm coming," um, and not in a good way. Uh, but you, but you eventually, I, I wrote down that you eventually hear Steve, like, like I said, having see possibly he, yeah. sex with his mom because he's like, uh, he says, "Love it, love yeah. it." He keeps repeating that, like, "Love it." And then after that happens, um, it kind of quiets back down a little bit in the room. Uh, Steve enters back into his room with that gas mask on, and he's he's butt naked. Um, he he looks over to Marty and tells uh, him. So, yeah, this is the first. This is not the fake long swinging dick. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, definitely a prosthetic. Definitely, definitely a prosthetic. prosthetic. Already, it's it's confirmed. It's a prosthetic. Um, <laughs> but you're right. He walks in with like this this fucking ten inch dildo, <laughs> a prosthetic dildo. Um, and he like said he's butt naked. He walks in the room, just covered in blood. Just not this drip. point. Not this oh, point. Okay. Not this no, point. that's right. That's right. He goes in the room to find an object. I wasn't sure what it was at first, but I, I know what it is now. Is he, he went in the room? He looks over to Marty. He's like, uh, "Don't talk." He's like, it, "You know, it's going to make you gag if you do mm-hmm. that." And he goes into the closet, his closet, and gets out the machete. And uh, you know, he gets the machete from it. He goes back into the, uh, Marty's room. And that's when mom gets killed. You can hear him like yeah. slice or like whacking. Well, the she's screaming, and then suddenly she she's starts not a curdle too. You can hear like this, you know, like a gurg- mm-hmm. a gurgle going on. Um, and that's when uh, that's when his dad. She's like, she's dead, daddy. She's dead. That's when that's what he <laughs> Steve was saying. She's mm-hmm. dead, daddy. You know, I was like, oh shit. This one, even Marty's like, he's starting to realize like mom's dead. Yeah. Dad keeps yelling at Steve. He's like, fight me like a man, fair fight. You know, yeah. like he's like pleading like he knows what's about to happen and his whole argument is like fight me like a man and uh anyhow he's like nope sorry dad he whacks i guess he he chops off fucking dad's head too is what happens man. Well, i know at some point he's also like look what happened to her and like that's when he flips and like, yeah he does man it's fucking like that, i'm guessing by that point he's already ate the eyes and that's what he's referring to like i think look you're right what... man i think you're right he's he's asking his dad to look at what he's done and all that shit and then i think 
when he finally succumbs his dad, when his dad finally succumbs to, to Steve, uh, he starts saying that shit. Like, he has another thing where he's like, oil on the driveway, oil on the driveway. Oh, he keeps right. saying that, you know. And then Marty, it narrates, Marty narrates back in. He says, my life has really become a horror movie, and you know how they end. You know, he says that. I'm like, oh, shit. So this is the second time that Steve walks back in, and this time... He's just covered in blood. He's covered in blood, man, from head to toe. And he's got that gas mask on. and uh, This got, might be when you see the dick. Uh, you might I, not no, see I, it the first time. This is the part where you do see the dick. Because I don't think the first time we just see, you know he's naked. Like waist up yeah. or something. But he does. He comes in this time definitely with the dick. <laughs> like I said, covered in blood. He kind of walks over to Marty, and he's, he's trying to explain stuff to Marty. He tells Marty, and I wrote a lot of this stuff down. He says, you can't understand right now, but in the morning... You'll understand. Like, yeah, you know, and you'll get it and all this. So this, like, he takes off his gas mask, you know, he's kind of like, boom, takes it off. He says, he even apologizes, like, I'm sorry, but when you're older, you'll thank me for this. He says, you'll see, everything's going to be okay. They can't hurt you anymore. And he starts to, to touch, like, Marty and Marty kind of like, eh, you know, he's not down, mm-hmm. man. He, he's like, he's like, Marty, I, I wouldn't hurt you. He's like, I'm your big brother. I, I'll let you borrow my movies. Yeah. You know? He says, he says, but in the morning, he says, I'll, I'll show you everything in the morning, right? Um, and then Marty starts to cry. He's like, I, I didn't mean to make you cry. Or, and, he, and he starts to he, fucking flip out. He breaks down. He's like, stop crying. He thought he stop was building crying. a better life for him and his brother. Yeah, man. Everything's been for oh, his brother. man. Or at least part of it's been for his brother. Exactly. And I feel like kind of the, the sex thing with mom was partially about maybe trying to replace dad. And that's kind of the... That's a good point. The the his his taking on Maybe, his yeah. dad's hatred, his racism, that. and becoming the, the the father figure maybe in his life. Yeah. So like I so said, the whole point of that is Marty starts to cry because he's coming to the realization that it, everything is changing, and, and his brother is so beyond what's going on. Like he's and trying his to apologize and tell him, "Dad, his, yeah." And like you'll understand in the morning, and then when Marty. Just he cries, and he loses it. Like and he does, he starts screaming that like stop crying, and he finally lets out like the, that scream like crying, and and it, it scares the shit out of Marty. Like mm-hmm. he knows his brother is way fucking gone at this point, and then that's when it kind of, I think it cues back. You see that it's it's getting near like morning, near morning. Like yeah. it's it's basically yeah, it's it's like sunrise. You're getting near sunrise at that time. Then it starts like this melancholic music starts to play. It starts to pan throughout the neighborhood. I'm wondering, uh, you know, kind of I, giving you a feel for like a morning in that neighborhood. Like everything. I feel normal. like maybe if I went back and listened to it, I'd I'd be able to notice if it was or not. But it uh, might have th- been this... the same music that was playing over the opening during his initial voiceover when he's finding the head. It's it may have been um, because I made special note of that music of it being like this melancholic piano. Like. Yeah, because there's even the scene where he's um, like burning all his comic strips in that you know that that mm-hmm. railroad museum place. Um, even that music's very me- melancholic. Like you, you know, something big has just happened or is happening. So, it, like the soundtrack plays, plays a big part in in kind of building suspense in this film. And so, this last like thirty forty five seconds yeah. is beautiful, and it it's starts. Awesome, it's man. just all these establishing shots of the neighborhood. It is uh, gradually, just slowly getting more and more focused in on the home. Basically, it, it does, and uh, I think the, and they're all. Ju- they start off being kind of normal shots. Yeah, it is. It's like it's just shots of the neighborhood. I think you even see like uh, as they're panning back, like so toward the house, you see like a little church in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they finally do go back to the house, 
Uh, they, they slowly move inside the house, and was, most of the house isn't affected. No, no. The first thing that I that I seen, or the the first scene that they show of the house is that like a bloody handprint on the back door, the gla- that sl- uh, glass sliding door, mm-hmm. and you see the shovel in the backyard, and then like so the rest of the house seems, you know, no big deal. Like, it goes to like the living room, it goes up the stairs, and then and finally you start to you don't see it at first, but. Um, this I even wrote this down because it's like oh shit. Well, you, know, this you do start <laughs> seeing more and more blood in certain Woo! places. Yeah. So what what happens is, is Marty starts to narrate during the whole time that mm-hmm. that the camera's going through the house, and uh, his narration that he says that okay it's it's Monday, school's about to begin. Uh, then he starts to ask. He says, "Well, people notice that I'm not in school. That Dad's not at work. That Mom's not in the office." Uh, he says, I'll, I'll wonder when they'll search the house. He says, when it when he moves, he says, it hurts all over. He says, but I can only wonder, wonder when I'll be found. And I was like, that was the whole point of the, the title, found. He wonders is when he's going to get found. Well, and you still haven't, when he says that. No, you that, haven't seen him yet. Not when quite he yet. says that, that's the one other thing I was wondering. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be the twist? Are we going to see him dead and this is his like narration from beyond the grave just telling his story so but it's worse it is but before yeah right before before, right before we get that as he's narrating that you're right you you hear like i said him saying that stuff you don't see him but you hear him narrate that this is when you see steve walk out of the house and he's stark naked covered doused in fucking blood and gore um he doesn't it's like it's still that that melancholic music playing and he gets out in the uh, the road, and then he starts to just, just walk off. off. He just walks off. And then as he's walking down that road, that's when uh, – well, actually, that's yeah, that's when it starts to, to go throughout the house. That's when you see the handprint. Mm-hmm. You start seeing it go up the stairs into uh, Steve's room as it wrote down. And so this is what he says. This is what <laughs> – because this is when the big reveal is. Because um, you see the blood, like, kind of dripping from the mattress – and then he and then says, it pops to above uh, the mattress for really uh, a pretty quick shot, but long enough that you see it. Well, you see you what get it, a little bit of a is. pan, and you kind of realize that some gore's about to happen. Yeah, like like right bef- right before you, you see... you get a little bit of a pan. Right to see before some... you see him on the. <laughs> I know there's like there's a lot of this stuff, man. Uh, but this is what he says. So th- this is exactly what he says before you see all of what we're about to see. He says, "I look at mom, I look at dad, and they scream at me with their empty eyes." Am I supposed to scream, kick, you know, kick out, cry out? He says, but I keep myself under control. He says, because if I freak out now, I may not come back for a long, long time. And then that's when you see Marty on the bed. And then tell tell our tell our lovely listeners what Marty is on the bed with. So Marty is still strapped to the bed, much like he was before, uh, with mom and dad, uh, eviscerated curled up next to him on either side very much eyeless as well sort of <laughs> keeping him company because oh man that's that that scene man just alone and then hearing what he says so and he, he's very much alive in the middle of he that. is he's 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 still strapped down to that bed he was the night before in steve's room and like i said on one side he does he has an eviscerated head of his mom with the eyeless sockets on the other side is dad eyeless sockets I even wrote down that he's got. It looks like that he severed their hands off and put them on like maybe his lap mm-hmm. on on uh, Marty's lap, and there's even the gas mask like a little bit in front of the mom. Oh, I did notice. that. And you see like all this gore on his bed, even up up to the pillowcases that he's sleeping in. So he's covered in mom's blood and guts. 
and dad's blood and guts. Yeah, man. Like he's got all that shit, that whole gory scene, and he and the, the, like the whole time, he's not even sure if people will notice that he's not in school and that his parents aren't at work and that Steve's walking down the fucking street. He doesn't even know Steve's walking down the street. He just knows that yeah. Steve's no Which I think there. is the thing that assures that he will be found in a couple Jesus hours. Jesus Christ, at the man. Most, but. Right. And um, as that stuff is happening, like I said, as as you see that, the very last thing that he says, the very last quote is, uh, he says, stuff like this can really warp a person. You know, as he's like narrating, like, you yeah. know, I, I have to keep myself under control because if not, I, I could be gone for a long, long time. He says, but stuff like this can really warp a person. And then it, then that's it. That's the end. It cuts to a black screen and then the credits. And I'm like, God damn. And as fucked I just up as that, that sounds, is we can't properly convey no, the emotional. No. Oh, my gosh. The, the kid does an amazing job. Right? They all do such, such a, a good job. For, you know, and I can see because during a lot of those independent film festivals... He was winning a lot of awards for best actor in those mm-hmm. those uh, independent film festivals, and like so, the one that we that I talked about earlier was the uh, that expo they were at with Elvira and you know um, that's right, uh, you know the, the rest of the lot, uh, Bill Mosley and all those folks. Uh, there's a reason why this film, when people do watch it, it has that effect. Like because even though it was shot at a, at a low budget, they I think they picked the right people for the parts they put them in. Uh, especially the brothers, uh, Marty and Steve, like that, they did a phenomenal job. And I even mentioned to you, like a few times at work, is that the fact that Ethan Philbeck, the guy who played Steve, the brother, the older brother, while he was doing this film, oh, that's right, yeah, he was also doing a stage production at I guess like a local theater company, and uh, his uh, his part in that production was as a singing duck. You know what I mean? So he was going from playing a serial killer during the day and during this shoot, and then to when he's rehearsing, yeah, duck. rehearsing with that local Bloomington uh, theater company, he was a singing duck and working on the stage props. And he said that uh, you know that, he's going to duck things up. Yeah, I'm about to duck it up. Uh, he, he said that you know he would have like makeup in his fingernails and his hair matted in his hair and stuff and. He's doing rehearsals and people are like, you know, what, what, what's been going on? He's like, oh, I've just been shooting a film, yeah. you know, no big deal. Um, but as far as like film credits and things like that, I, I, I can't see any other film credits that these people have been in. I think the dad might have been in some like low, really like super low budget, yeah, you know, shit like in the Midwest. I think is what they said. But everybody else, pretty, just pretty much like, you know, they just try. I, think, I even think have the fun. kid Marty um, Gavin, uh, the kid that played Marty. He, uh, Gavin Brown, he, he talked about when he auditioned for the part, like he was mumbling and like stuttering over his fucking lines and shit. Like he did, he's like, there's no way I got this part, you know, like he nope, had never got done, the part. Yeah. Like they picked him out and, and he talked about, you Whatever, know, we did a great job. Well, they, they talked about, you know, having scenes with the family, you know, like, and he's like, you know, everybody's cool. And, you know, he's like, everybody gets along on set and it feels like a family. And then when you do scenes like this, he's like, I didn't realize how many times I was going to get slapped. <laughs> yeah, because there's a scene, you know, in the bathroom where he and uh, and Steve have that confrontation yeah. in the theater. And I, I was watching, like I said, some behind-the-scenes stuff on, on YouTube. And it shows him, like, getting slapped repeatedly, <laughs> you know. And he's like, how many times have you had to do this? <laughs> I thought, I thought it was cool, man. There was some some cool stuff, and like I said, I listened to some stuff that uh, that kid Ethan Philbeck was talking about, and um, you know, he said it was it was really awkward having to do like some of that that incestuous sexual stuff with oh, the woman yeah. who played the mom. I think her name is Phyllis Monroe. Uh, he said, you know, some awkward stuff, even with the dad 
in the film. He's like, you know, everybody got along so well, and she was like, even he, they even commented like she was such a motherly figure uh-huh. on the set that it made him feel awkward Weird. having to do those stuff. Oh, I bet. And he even commented, he's like, yeah, it was definitely a prosthetic dick. But uh, like I said, overall, overall, the the the, the feel of this movie is, uh, I just I enjoyed it, man. Dude, this was a good movie. Uh, for for the parts that are low in it, it's yeah. far outshined by all the fucking high parts. It's in just, it. oh man, it's like like I said, if if you're looking for a movie that, um, it doesn't take very long to watch. It's a little over an hour and a half, I think tops like an hour and thirty and some change. Um, really good film. This is one of those films like after I watched it, even after the first time, like, phew, it, you know, it had me thinking about this film for several days after. Oh watching yeah, definitely. It, you know, and then it like one of those films where I was like, man, I. I need to tell people who like watching this kind of stuff. So maybe that. Well, I'm, take I'm a really peek glad at that it. you told me because I yeah. got to watch it. It was really good. It's like you know, uh, like I said, it's so impressive in in the fact that it it makes you build this terrible end sequence. Jesus man, that even when you know that it made you build it, yeah, that it didn't show it. Like it was so good. It was so good. And that's the whole part. It, it, like I said, you didn't see steve actually killing mom or dad but you saw the end result and the end result was like holy Enough. shit combined with what you heard yeah and the whole point that like said so that that marty's having that that self-dialogue about the fact that like he's got to keep himself composed because this shit's about to fuck him up if he starts to freak out yeah it's but how you know at that age man he can't be more than like i said 11 or 12 at best it's it's fucking oh it's gosh, a really man. really powerful film. Uh, it highly is. recommend it. And uh, and I'm really excited for what's coming up next. I am because for man. once <laughs> it's going to be your first time. It's going to be my first viewing of. Um, We're going to do the Babadook next. Yeah, uh, the Babadook. I've known about the Babadook since it's since it came out in theaters. Um, it's just one of those those films that flew under my radar. I mean, compared no, to no, no, you know. Compared to when I first started hearing about it and like when people were blowing up about it, yeah. I got to it late as well, just not as late as you. Obviously. Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm like, shoot, I, I'm late to this show. Because this one, I mean, unlike yours, which for most people is quite the fine. Oh, yeah, no, no. That's, that's like one of those you have to dig for a little bit. Babadook kind of blew up a little bit. Like, I, I feel like I knew a lot of people that were talking about it. Even within our own little circle, I heard... Several rumblings, and that's why it. I finally had to give in and watch it. Not, yeah. not that like I had anything against it, but no, likewise, I just, there's likewise. only so many hours in a day, really. Yeah, there's only so many movies you can watch in that time. Uh, if you do that, but I'm I'm so glad that I did. This nice. is going to be fun for you to finally watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm excited I'm really, for that. You know, and as a matter of fact, I, I believe I'm even going to go home after this and check it out a little bit later on tonight. So I really hope you take your notes yeah. the first time through to get your. I, I you know, and I, I certainly will, and I think I might even hold off. Maybe from doing that, just so I can so I can have that experience, and then maybe go back and watch it for fun again. But I definitely want to get my notes for that first time around. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you guys want to chime in and talk to us, yeah, we're definitely available. Uh, squirmcast at gmail dot com. That's s q u i r m c a s t at gmail dot com. Yeah, uh, you can follow us on Facebook. Just we're look for us, Fried Squirms. Uh, now Twitter. Yeah, at we're Fried Squirms. Yeah, we're still on SoundCloud as well. We're still on SoundCloud. Uh, we're still looking at finding other ways to uh, expand. Yeah. Uh, iTunes, you can subscribe to us there. You can uh, still really, visit our website as well. Our website. I mean, really, all these different ways. Yeah, we try to get, branch out as much as possible to, to reach our, our listeners and, and future listeners as well. I mean, like us on Facebook. That yeah. way, you know, Send us when we say something, when you... When we want you to know something, you'll be, it'll be like pop up on your feed, and you'll be like, 
hey, Danny and Tyler, they're talking to me. Yeah, they're not just guys out in these, these secret airwave. No, they're like, this is for me. And yeah, who knows? Maybe it will be for you. Well, I hope it is. I like. I want to. I want to get a little bit more close and intimate with with our listeners. You know, on on a feedback level. But really, all these different ways. Uh, the Twitter thing's the most exciting. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people use it, and I feel like a caveman because I've sort of stayed away from it. Oh man. So I'm going to do my best to try to start working yeah, we're with be this like rock and, and integrating into tweet, the tweet. social media <laughs> world. Yeah. Uh, with all of you, and we'll see how that works. But. I'm done at this point. Yeah. Now, the only other thing I would say is, like you say, if you like this film, uh, you might even want to check out the film within the film, Headless, because uh, oh. that is a film. It is a real deal. So yeah, I'm excited. I want to see that. I, I do, too. I, I've it. actually, uh, one of the buddies that has seen it, along with you and I, uh, he said he's seen it. I have not seen it, but he's like, dude, check it out. Uh, so this is going to make me want to check that film out. But yeah, that's the only thing I have to say is, if you like this film, check that film out. Um, I'm looking forward to, to viewing the Baba Duke for the first time and then reviewing it. And then we'll have some, uh, some, a little bit more on the light side of things coming up here in the future. Yeah. Uh, uh we are heading into the holiday season. We are. This is really close to the new year. As uh, well. so and, I do want to say that when this episode gets put online, it'll probably be like the day after Christmas or so. Yeah. So Merry Christmas. If you're we listening wish to you, this. yeah, we wish you, wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, and, uh, all you know, the other holidays, happy holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, yeah, you well, name Han- it, man. There's I think, lots of them. I think Hanukkah starts well, like Christmas Eve this year. I think or you're like absolutely that. right. So, so, you know, Shalom. Um, you know, Hanukkah, we just hope that everybody has a good time, you know, regardless if you celebrate other, or not. Happy holidays. Yeah. We're in that time of the Winter year. Solstice, it's all that thick with it. So, yeah, that's that's coming up in a couple of days, but it'll, it'll already have passed by yeah. the time. So, well, like I said, by the time you hear this, we we just wish you, uh, you know, happy holidays and stay safe, uh, stay safe, stay warm, stay warm. Yeah, God, that's what we're gonna. If you're try down to in Florida, do. fuck you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just... I know somebody who just got to Florida. <laughs> that's really funny. Nah, yeah, uh, fuck you if you're listening. No, nah, just if if you come back to Montana, bring some of that shit with you. Is Cacao. all I'm gonna say. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening for this episode, and uh, we look forward to you know bringing you some more guys. All right, bye, bye.